Hello, hello and welcome. We hope uh, everyone got the message that uh, this is a rare Saturday afternoon live stream for Atlas Information Live um, due to a last minute family obligation. Uh, we had to uh, shift our live stream from Sunday to today, Saturday. And uh, we hope that uh, you all got the message and that uh, you soon will be uh, logging in and joining us because today we're going to be discussing a subject which in one way shape or form is misunderstood and misapplied certainly among uh, self-styled mystics and esotericists but in general as well those of a spiritual bent or spiritual interests. There is a very serious level of concern and misconceptions around the application of this word magic. And these concerns and these misconceptions apply to both aspects of magic as we typically or traditionally understand them. And by that, we refer to the nature of light magic and the so-called dark arts or black magic, as it were. We don't want to excessively use those terms um, in this live stream because, as you know, we're going out over YouTube and YouTube loves to censor videos. That being said, we also aren't going to avoid some of this terminology out of fear. But in many ways, in today's world, especially, it is important for us to really try to comprehend what magic is, what magic is not, and how magic has changed since its inception is not the right word, but since its heyday in ancient times and its resurgence in, let's say, medieval times. And the various different misconceptions around magic at that time, and how those uh, relate to the modern, modern era as well. We should begin, perhaps, by looking at the word magic itself without going into some sort of uh, genealogy of the word or etymology from a intellectual viewpoint magic is about power it is the application of energy and 
the nature of the energy at the heart and soul of all magic can be found in its first syllable. And that syllable is ma. And if you are even vaguely conscious, you should automatically and intuitively know what is the nature of the energy that is signified by that sound, by that mantra, ma. And the reason why we say that is because every infant knows that mantra. Every child, every infant, that mantra is one of the first words spoken by every single human being who has ever existed. Without fail, regardless of race, creed, color, culture, language, era, or geography. That sound, and if you recall, uh, a few weeks ago we did a live stream on the spiritual power of sound, the significance and the importance of sound. The word, the logos, vibration, the entire universe is spoken into being. And the primordial substance, the primordial body of the universe, which is brought into vibration and out of which everything is brought into manifestation, manifestation, manifestation. But there again, in the word manifest, the first syllable is ma, M-A. M-A is the first syllable in mana. And it is obviously the first syllable in man. It is the primordial sound signifying every infant's, every child's identification, recognition, and connection with the primordial energy and the primordial body of existence. Because every single child combines the two sounds Ma, Mama, Ama. When they recognize and they wish to express and communicate their deep and intimate connection with their mother. That is at the very heart of what we call magic because magic begins with those same sounds that same mantra that syllable and that vowel 
combined. And esoterically, when we consider those two sounds, M is the the sound of the the uh, the sexual organs. It is the that is the chakra. That is the the mantra of the chakra of the sexual organs. Mm, the, that M, and it is related to Mem, which in the Hebrew alphabet are the waters, the sexual waters. And ah is the sound, the mantra, the vowel, which is associated with the lungs and the thyroid gland. It's related also to the heart, but, but, in, but instead the lungs and the breath. That's why when we breathe, even when we do hamsa meditation, we breathe out in sa. We 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 pronounce ah because ah is related to the breath. Surely everyone at some point in their life has been to a doctor, and that doctor has put a tongue depressor in their mouth and looked into the back of their throat and said, "Now say ah," and we sigh. <sighs> that ah, that sigh, that release of the breath, the breath of life. It's the very first line in the book of Genesis. The spirit moved over the surface of the waters. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word of the spirit, the logos, moved over the surface of the waters. And breathe the life into those waters, into the mem, into the, the primordial waters of creation. So in M, we have the waters, the akash, the primordial substance, the body of reality, of the universe. And in Ah, we have the breath, the spirit, breathing over the waters, breathing life into waters this is where we get the mana <clears throat> and mana that divine mind which fecundates the waters and out of which is are born everything all of reality the manifestation. This is what magic is. Magic is an extension of that creative process. That is what all magic is. Magic is about the application of energy for the manifestation, for the creation of a result, an effect. 
And insofar as that is the case, there is no inherent difference in any and all forms of magic. It is, it is about bringing into creation or bringing into reality that which exists in a more subtle level. So we could say there is a transformation or transmutation of energy but it is from a higher plane into a more dense crystallized form manifestation bringing from more subtle levels of reality more subtle levels of energy and birthing them and it is a birth and that's why that mantra of ma exists in the word magic itself because there's only one thing in the universe that is capable of birthing and creating and that's the divine feminine that's the divine mother that's our ma our ama and in no uncertain terms that is the only energy and the only material that we have to work with she is the universe every single phenomena is an expression of the divine feminine that is why it's, she is divine mother nature and to perform magic now clearly we should perhaps take just one moment and say we are we are not referring to the magic that is played out on stages in las vegas hopefully everybody's clear on that we're talking about actual real magic esoteric mystical magic so we're not talking about illusion and all those things that is also a form of magic but here we have to start getting into some of the distinctions and the differences between what we identify as light magic and what we identify as the dark arts but we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves we want to try to build from a foundational level and build upwards. So we're speaking of essentially the power of God, the power to create and to destroy and to alter the ability to change what is already manifested. and that those kinds of transformations and those creations and indeed destructions 
are all about the transformation of energy, the transmutation of substances, which of course is what the medieval alchemists were going on about at great length in their experiments and in their works and in their writings. Clearly, the esoteric level of their work of the medieval alchemists relates to the transmutation of the human soul, the creation of the solar bodies, the transmutation of our lower animal aspects into our higher, our lower lunar aspects into our higher solar aspects, our golden aspects. And we've covered that in our live stream related to transmutation. That is sexual magic. That's why we refer to it, sexual alchemy, sexual magic. Magic is a scientific process. It's just a metaphysical scientific process. Often it has been said by even atheists and materialist scientists that magic is simply the word that was given to that which man could not understand and could not explain. So they called it magic. But, there's, but that's really just a science that man couldn't understand. It's a form of nature that man was beyond man's understanding. And that's fine for the atheists and the materialist scientists to understand it that way. But in fact, magic is metaphysical science. It is the science of the metaphysical, more subtle levels of reality. Because there are rules and there are laws that affect different planes of existence. It just so happens that there are fewer rules and fewer laws as you move up into the more subtle and subtle planes of reality, which are of course internal planes, not external to us. They're internal. So the, the more you go outside of yourself and into the three-dimensional reality that we experience, for example, the laws increase. And the in the infernal worlds, the laws increase. Things become more complicated and more dense. We can say then that in a very real sense of the word, magic is an extension of the inherent power of God, the inherent power of divinity, the Logos, to bring itself at its vision into the world, into reality. Again, we, that word manifestation gets used a lot. particularly by the New Age and proponents of not just the New Age, but self-help and so-called uh, prosperity psychology, the psychology of success, which is related to that whole self-help movement. But all of these things are, 
are loosely, well, they're not loosely related. They're very strongly correlated. And not only are they strongly correlated, there is actual a very, very powerful causality at work between these different aspects where this word manifestation gets used or attract the, the application of the law of attraction and attracting your desires, manifesting your desires, attracting what you want, achieving the success that you visualize and using powerful visualizations and all these techniques that they teach. And these techniques are taught across the board. Again, in many, many different schools of thought, right down to athleticism and Olympic athletes and Olympic coaches that teach visualization to their athletes in order to achieve break world records and, and, and break Olympic records and, and, and whatnot. The power of visualization and channeling energy and desire and willpower into that visualization in order to achieve a physical result. Mind over matter and, the, and, and uh, prosperity psychology, right? The psychology of success. All you have to do is watch a Tony Robbins uh, seminar. And Tony Robbins has been doing this since, what, the late 70s, early 80s? He's been doing his, uh, the, what, the power of, uh, the, you know, the power of positive thinking and all this sort of stuff. This is all magic. This is all using mind and psychology in order to realize something in the physical plane. So what's the problem? Wherein lies the concern and the misconceptions around magic? around these practices. Andrew says, uh, the US military also teaches uh, psionic abilities to their top clandestine operatives. There are powers and abilities that we can develop with awakened consciousness. And there are, of course, various, various, various different types of clairvoyance. You might say that these also qualify as magic, but there is a fine line between developing powers as an individual, the ability to see, the ability to know, and the ability to perceive higher worlds, for example. Rudolf Steiner has a book called How to Know Higher Worlds. 
And it's all about cultivating the consciousness and ways of seeing and ways of, of comprehending such that one cultivates one's own consciousness and opens one's abilities of perception to see and to know these more subtle levels of reality, which are, again, which are, they are not somewhere else. They are here and now interlaced with our physical universe, which, as you also should know, is a complete and total illusion. There is nothing out there. There is literally nothing out there. There is no thing. And if you ever want to read a sort of secular philosophical expression of this explained, then you want to read Immanuel Kant and his discussion of noumenon and the phenomenon. Phenomenon being that which we experience and noumenon being the thing in itself. And the reality is that there is no thing out there. And even Kant, as a philosopher, recognized this. We don't want to get too into a tangent. But at the same time, the knowing and seeing is perfectly, that's a, that's a natural state of consciousness. Consciousness as in its receptive form and everything else being consciousness in its expression, expressive form. See, consciousness itself is just a medium of existence. It's a medium of being. It's another level of our being. It's an aspect of our metaphysical physiognomy. And Consciousness has, as all phenomena in the universe, has both, both masculine and feminine aspects. The masculine is the expressive aspect, and the feminine is the receptive aspect. So when people in the New Age, they validate and they uh, rationalize the manifestation of their desires on the basis of, well, we're creating our reality all the time. You're creating your reality all the time, they will tell you. So it's right and proper for you to create your reality as you wish it. To use magic and manifest your desires and manifest money and manifest wealth and manifest lovers and wh whatever you desire, whatever your heart desires, because you, you create your own reality. And they're able to justify and rationalize this because as we've explained many, many times, the ego mind wraps its own narrative, its own subjective understanding around an, a kernel of objective truth, objective reality. And because that kernel of objective reality is at the heart of this subjective narrative, now they buy into the subjective narrative wholeheartedly because at the, at the core is an objective truth. And they sense the objective truth at the core of the, of the narrative 
And so they swallow it hook, line, and sinker. And the objective truth that they are intuiting is what we are describing as the nature of consciousness. Experience itself is reality. There is no reality outside of the experience of it. And you have the feminine receptive aspect of consciousness that unites with the masculine expressive aspect of consciousness. And in the union of masculine and feminine, a sexual union, you give birth, you give rise to experience. You give rise to being through the, the union. And you give rise to knowledge because the knowledge is born of that experience. That's why we always talk about self-evident experiential knowledge. So in this sense, you do create your reality. Your, in your consciousness, reality is, is created as you experience it, the masculine and feminine aspects of consciousness. But this is at a very, very fundamental level of experience. This is experience itself that you're creating, your reality. This is very, very, very different from then applying on top of that fundamental metaphysical science a layer of subjective belief about manifesting your desires and say, well, I'm creating my reality. I create my own reality, so I'm going to create it the way I want it. There are no desires in consciousness. Consciousness has no desires. Pure consciousness, free consciousness, objective consciousness has no desire. It must be subjected to desire in order to possess desire because it doesn't possess desire. Desire possesses it. And that's why the Latin word for ego is demon, I. And that's why we say demons possess us. And why Master Samael wrote about the consciousness being bottled up inside of demons. Because demons are desire. Ego is desire. Cravings and aversions. Which are subjected, which we are subjected to. And we are possessed by. We become possessed. And it's not consciousness which has desire. It's desire which has consciousness. Which then claims and appropriates and indeed misappropriates this capacity to create our reality but now it's not an objective reality that we're creating as free consciousness does but a subjective reality that is filtered through our desires our egos our wants our cravings our aversions our identifications our attachments and all the causes of our suffering But this is important, and this is related 
to magic. Because herein lies the fundamental and key difference between what we call light magic and what we refer to as the dark arts or black magic. And again, we've often cited the modern mythology, the contemporary mythology of Star Wars, George Lucas's Star Wars, and the discussions around the Force, and particularly in Empire Strikes Back, and Yoda's training of Luke, and the realization, the revelation, that the Jedi and the Sith, the light side and the dark side, use the same force. It's one force. And Yoda says that a Jedi uses the force for knowledge and defense, but never for attack. And when Yoda describes the dark side, he describes fear, anger, aggression, the dark side of the force are they. Easily they flow. But once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Consume you, it will. Most people hear that or see that and they say, oh, well, it's a classic thing. It's good and evil. It's, it's, you know, it's good and evil. It's light and dark. It's, you know. They don't comprehend that the Jedi and Sith are magicians. And the Force is that same energy, that same creative and destructive power that we work with in our reality. George Lucas in Star Wars revealed the nature of the light side and the dark side, the white lodge and the black lodge, the right-hand path and the left-hand path. But most people will never know that. And most esotericists will never know that. And most Gnostics will never know that, will never accept that or believe that because they, many of them are attached. They're attached to ancient texts and ancient scriptures and what masters said and taught. Well, Master Samael disincarnated before Star Wars was ever released in movie theaters. So, Master Samael was never around to uh, decode Star Wars. We, we made our two and a half hour long video on the Skywalker apocalypse, explaining the meta levels of meaning that that particular trilogy of trilogies including the Disney trilogy, brings to the table as a modern mythology.
This is we've also discussed the Matrix, just as we've also discussed Lord of the Rings. These are all contemporary mythologies. Tolkien himself had freely admitted that he wrote the Lord of the Rings as a mythology. And all of these mythologies, whether it's Tolkien or Star Wars or The Matrix, they're all dealing with power, the use of power, the application of power. And indeed, in one way, shape or form, magic. Certainly Tolkien, we, we see magic and we see the the sauron or sorry saruman being turned from the light side to the dark side and then we see gandalf and saruman facing off against each other certainly in star wars in star wars it's space magic of course but it's still fantasy star wars is space fantasy it is high mythology it is not science fiction and in the Matrix, the same thing. We have someone and a group of elite individuals who have been initiated. They have been red-pilled in order to see the nature of reality, this Matrix. And they've been trained on an ability, with an ability to bend the rules and at times break them, but certainly to bend the rules in order for one purpose and one purpose alone, to awaken others. And these are all, all of these, certainly in film form, all of these are in the modern era certainly within our lifetime, within all of our lifetimes, most likely. Certainly in terms of, of uh, a filmography, the original Tolkien text notwithstanding, because of course he wrote, he wrote those texts uh, in the middle of the 20th century. But magic is at the heart of those modern mythologies. And what do we know, both intuitively and in, and in many ways explicitly in these mythologies? What do we know if the force is the same force that's used by the light side and the dark side, then what determines whether it's light magic or dark magic? We pose that question at the same time that we uh, give you the link to join the conversation if you feel so inclined. If you have something to add, if you think you can explain it, join the conversation and, and offer your explanation. Because the reality is that magic is 
really a shaping of reality. And shaping of that reality on a foundational level. Now the foundations of an illusion cannot be found in the illusion itself. Certainly we can all recognize that. None of us can go into a movie theater and alter the film that it, as it's projected onto the screen. This is a complete and total... It's a non-starter. There is no way to alter the images as they are projected onto the screen. So where can they be altered? This is difficult for us to grasp on the level of intellect, on the level of our present level of consciousness, because we see people manipulating three-dimensional reality all the time. Hello, Andrew. Hey. Welcome. Hey, what's up, Liz? Glad you can join us. Mm, me too. Um, we're wondering if it, perhaps you can possibly turn your volume down just a little bit, or because um, we're getting some some sound coming from your microphone. That that might help. Okay. Is that better? Yeah, yeah. It's well. That should. Well, we'll see how it goes. So what are your what are your thoughts what are your feelings but what's the difference between light magic and dark magic All right once again I'm readjusting all my uh, settings Okay we'll finish up our uh, thought on Oh the, uh, okay okay, go ahead, okay go ahead. yeah go ahead. All right, I can hear you now All right well I was just thinking about um like the like the difference if you want to know for yourself like I was trying to know for myself what I can always know if I'm performing black or white magic. Because for me, it always feels like we're performing magic. Like everyday life feels like that communion with the magician, with the the world outside is like everything you just explained is that. So it's like this is like crucial. And it's like, and to me, it comes down to the to the who who is performing the act because it's like to me it's the what is the divine it's like all of that the, all of it is the what all of it is the divine that's what's performing the act but like the difference between like dark magicians and white magicians is like both of them know they're divine both of them know the what this is what makes a magician a magician they know what the divine is they know what it is that they're doing it's like, it's the knowledge, what, you know what. That's what knowledge is to me. But like, it's like, the who though, the who though is is more important because that's like your identity. And, and this to me, this to me is what it means to have like a Christed identity, identity, a sacred identity. 
versus a profane identity or a or a demonic identity does that make sense we would uh yeah it absolutely makes sense and you're correct you're 100 percent correct that's basically the difference the difference is the recognition that as you said the your distinction between who and what um, is we might uh, try to elaborate on that a little bit just to help uh, flesh out how in the from the viewpoint of the black magician mm -hmm. who they identify as is also actually a what <laughs> This is the this is the this is the tricky part about language, and 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 trying to use language to explain this because we we immediately start uh, uh, bumping up against obstacles and limitations of language mm -hmm. itself. How mm -hmm. so? This in no way, shape, or form is this a uh, is this a critique of your explanation because your explanation is correct. The spirit of what you're saying is correct. Is that both? Black magicians and white magicians, they both know what it is that they're working with, which is the divine power, the divine energy, the divine reality. Um, are you in a windy place? Oh, here, I'll, I'll mute my mic when yeah, I'm not maybe, talking. Maybe that'll help. Uh, yeah, I, was yeah. just, I just breathed out. I exhaled into... See, I have a, a mic right in front of me. Um, yeah. You know, you know what? You know what would really help if you had a little foam, uh, one of those foam things to put on the mic, and then that would help uh, uh, protect it from your from the breath sound. But if you also mute mute yourself when you're not speaking, that would be a great help because it's uh, it's it's uh, it sounds like you're in a really windy place, is what it sounds like. Um, so, but uh, coming back to it then. So both all magicians know what they're what they're working with, and you express that very succinctly and very simply. It's just a question of who is working with it, and this brings us to an important thing to realize. And and this question of who is it the I or is it the being? That's the difference. That's the difference between a white magician and a black magician. A white magician knows that the real magician, it's not, it's not you, it's not me, it's not Andrew, it's not Attila. We are not, an, we are not a magician. We are not the magician. No healer no genuine healer is a is a magician no genuine healer does anything does any healing if they're a genuine healer they know that their innermost or the logos so for example many healers work with various different archangels and those healers who are genuine healers know that it's the archangel 
Gabriel or Raphael or whichever archangels that they're working with, they know that it's the archangel that does the healing. They don't take any credit for it. And they don't, uh, they don't misunderstand. They don't believe themselves to be some sort of great whatever. They know that they're simply a servant or a conduit, a messenger. They're, they're simply a vehicle or a vessel who is doing their work out in the world and their innermost being is here doing work, identifying individuals who are in need of healing. And it is their relationship through their inter innermost being with the logos that allows them to be to work as healers, to pray on behalf of the, the sick person and so on. And the logos does the magic. That's light magic, again, as we described the, from our preamble around why the word magic has at its root ma, the primordial sound of creation. Which ma, by the way, if you ma, the ah sound, if you reverse it, it's ha. And if you back that up even more, it's who. And that's where we get, for example, the uh, root word of hum, which is the root word of human. And human is the combination of who and ma. Hu, ma. And who is that another primordial sound. It's actually, it precedes ma because ma, uh, but this is, we don't want to get too technical on the, uh, on the um, esoteric etymology. But the point being is that magic is an extension of the logos and the creative impulse and power of God. And the Logos is the perfect multiple unity, the Christ, the cosmic Christ, which is an expression, the, the omnipresent ray of Okidanak, the ray of creation. Real magic is in alignment with that. Light magic is an individual who is connected to their innermost and through their innermost connected to the Logos and is bringing forth that creative power through them into the world. So they are doing the will of their being. And by extension, they're doing the will of God. That is white magic. That is light magic. That is why anytime that we pray, anytime that we do any visualizations, if we do the visualizations of the earth healing, or we're doing a visualization where we're sending uh, uh, beams of energy from our heart to someone and praying for them and trying to heal them or trying to help them in any way, we always finish those practices or those petitions with, may all this be done in accordance with the law. For in, the, for, in the name of the Christ, for the glory of the Christ, and by the majesty of Christ. Because every time we do magic, as on the right-hand path, we are doing it in the name of the Christ and by the power of the Christ, for the glory of the Christ and by the majesty of the Christ. And as and this is this live stream on magic 
relates directly to our previous live stream on the nature of service, how to serve and who to serve. Magic is simply another level, a higher level, more esoteric, a more mystical form of service. But how to serve and who to serve is we, we serve our innermost. So how to be a, a magician is to relegate the power and the authority of the, of the, of the magic user to our, to our innermost magician who does the work and power of God. And that, we, and that flows through us into the world. We are in service of that. So those individuals who work with the archangels as healers, it's their job to identify individuals who are in need of healing or to attract those individuals and those and people show up to them and say, look, I, I need help. And so they are the, the physical servants, the mortal vessels for that magic to occur in the world. And any time that you as an individual are connecting to your higher self, and any time that you are bringing forth into the world for the sake of others, by virtue of your innermost connection with the Logos, and you are bringing something forth into the world, that is a form of magic. That is the, you are an extension of the Christic force. You are an extension of the creative force of the universe, the ray of Okidanak, the ray of creation. That ray is coming and shining through you into the world. So when you produce that beautiful poem or that beautiful piece of music or that piece of artwork or, or that whatever effort that you're doing on behalf of others, that service, but you're doing that service as a servant of your innermost first, and your innermost serves others through you, you as the vehicle, the vessel, and the conduit of that service, you are a vehicle, vessel, and a conduit of magic, of a form of magic. At whatever level you are at, and your whatever level of you being your innermost is at, that is magic. That is bringing forth from the more subtle planes of reality and bringing into incarnation into manifestation in this physical world in in the kingdom that is magic that is being birthed through you into the world that is magic so if you are serving your innermost magician then your innermost magician can perform magic through you and to the degree that we develop that relationship and develop our consciousness and eliminate our egos and increase our bandwidth and to the degree that we overcome tests and trials and ordeals and we pay our karma 
and we eliminate egos, we, 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 we create the human soul and our innermost is able to increase their level of being with our cooperation. Well, the nature of the magic which can flow through us into the world, the nature of the miracles that we perform will likewise expand or increase accordingly. Because it's all a question of our strength. Because strength and power are related, but they're not precisely the same thing. Power is power, the power to change, the power to alter, the power to create, the power to destroy. Strength is the capacity to wield that power. Our innermost doesn't desire power. Our innermost seeks only for strength. But the stronger that we are, the stronger we become, the greater the power which can flow through us without overwhelming us, without causing us to break down. On the flip side, what do we know about black magicians? What do we know about, for example, uh, Jedi like and the Sith? Right? What do we know about the Sith? What do they crave more than anything? Control. It's, yes, it's like power. You, that's right. They want power. You see... This is, again, a Jedi doesn't crave power. A Jedi seeks only the strength to endure what their task, to endure what is to come. A Jedi seeks strength, and strength, first and foremost, is strength to overcome temptation, to strength to overcome the seductions of the, of the dark side. And the strength to overcome the Sith. That's what a mm. Jedi does. Mm. That's not power, right? The Jedi doesn't seek power. Jedi's, Jedi are like uh, Buddhist monks, right? They, they're power. Mm -hmm. They don't mm -hmm. have any power. They have strength. But Sith seek nothing but power. And, and the power to uh, wield over others, the power to control, the power to rule, the power to change the destiny of an entire galaxy. Whereas you see the Jedi don't have no such ambition. And it's exactly the same. Do they, have, do they have no such ambition? All they're Jedi? Not, they're, they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to. Because I feel like there's a lot of ambitious like Jedi out there, and that's where it gets like the balance gets like entangled in the in the like the cosmic war is real. Like you're you're talking about the the real world and the galaxy, the real galactic war. I, like so, it's like when it comes down to like 
how it plays out it's like who sees the farthest is what's the question like it's the jedi is like linked into the all-seeing power so it's like but so are the sith which is why there's the contest it is an imperfect it is an imperfect mythology Mm. we're not here to we're not here to discuss uh, the inner workings of an imperfect mythology. Well, I wasn't All talking about things. mythology. I was talking about like yeah, what's well, playing I'm... out here now, you okay. know? So what's playing out here now is, uh, well, you have to be specific what you're, what you're referring to, what's playing out here. Well, now. well you were talking about the Jedi only needs strength, only, only looks like seeks strength to endure what is to come. Yeah. And it's because they can see what is to come, right? It's like it's a, it's like a it's scene a or a knowing, but not a scene, but like a knowing. Like you know, you know that there's going to be more trials to come test you. Like I know there's going to be more trials yeah. to come test me. I don't know what they are. Yes. they're going to come out of the blue. They come out. They're coming out of the unknown to me. But like when I encounter them, I'll know them. And so I know through that scene, knowing whatever you want to call that, that they're going to come and they're going to. So I know what's to come in that way. Mm-hmm. But it's like, so does every other. like magician it's like so does every other inner being it's like every every being knows what they know we we uh we don't know what you're asking or what you're getting well i'm just telling you what i know about this is like the what we were taught what you asked us about was like what we meant by here and now specifically and so we were we were alluding to what we know about specifically happening here and now like on this planet and in the in the fight of good versus evil in the fight of light versus dark like and how it's like being unfolded in like a stage by stage process from like an internal like you could think of it as like a, like a hyper complex like super dimensional chessboard where all the players are the wizards or the magicians or the jedi and the sith whatever you want to call them it's like they're the they're the they're the people moving like the pieces in the like, third dimensional reality like so the egos are the ones controlling like for example the elite they're being controlled by their egos of fear and lust and greed and hatred and like all those egos are just like a it's like a it's like what a black magician uses to control a piece so it's like they're just pieces in a game board you know to a black magician um let's let's back up for a second, because you're conflating many things there. You're, con- you're, okay. mixing, you're mixing your metaphors. Um, the black magician is the ego. It's the same. It's the same way that a white magician is the being. A black magician is the ego, and the pieces that are being moved is the individual themselves. Okay. Okay. Now, so by extension, okay, they want they want power over others. They want that. That's the that's the nature of ego. Ego wants power. That's all the ego. The ego can't have. The ego does not have any strength. Mm. So the ego does not have any strength because it's it's all of its power comes from external sources. So it has to constantly consume. That's the nature of every parasite. That's the nature of parasites, right? Parasites are weak, and the nature of symbionts. And uh, that have that have a um, a um, uh, a non 
harmonious symbiotic relationship. So you have a, for example, uh, well, science fiction has explored this in many ways, where you have some kind of a, an anomaly which attaches itself to a being and then takes over that being. Science fiction, Star Trek has, a, has and many other science fiction uh, books have explored what that might be like, where a symbiont, a symbiote, takes over another being, mm-hmm. but it's but it's but it's a par- but it's parasitic. It's not a mutually beneficial, mutually harmonious symbiotic relationship like we find in many places in nature. It's a parasitic symbiotic relationship. That's the relationship between egos and ourselves. And so the black magician is the ego. The egos, their desires, their their, uh, visions. And in fact, what a black magician is, is an ego which is awakening. Is an awakening. So just as the being in the consciousness can awaken, egos can awaken by awakening the consciousness that's bottled up inside of them. So an ego is only as powerful as the consciousness inside of it. Mm. And uh, as that consciousness awakens, bottled up inside of it, so too does that individual now, that individual, that mortal vessel, feel as though they are awakening as, as a powerful magician because they're able to do things. Now they start awakening powers and they start awakening abilities and they start, they start, they they cultivate those abilities they they are they are uh tempted into performing black magic they are tempted into using energy to manifest their desires and using energy to create and and transform reality but not according to the will of their being not according to the will of the logos, right? Not not in in the will in accordance with the law, right? In the lords of karma, but in accordance with the desires of their egos. It's what they want. It's what they think. It's what they're attached to. It's what they're identified with. And that's the only difference. And this has come right back to what you were saying earlier about the who and the what. Is who is the magician? A black magician mm. thinks I am the magician. I am the magician. I'm the one performing the magic. I have the power. Meanwhile, it's all an illusion. They are the pawn on the chessboard that you identify. They are the pawn because actually the entire notion of I is 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 an illusion it's a delusion which is created Mm. by the ego by the black lodge by Mm. this parasitic symbiote Uh. and 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 it is the one so so (laughs) so when you say the global elite Mm -hmm. are possessed by fear and their greed and their lust Mm -hmm. yeah sure you're Mm -hmm. right but they are the ones that are doing the magic the egos are the ones doing the magic it's not the not the uh, the global elite. The global elite, their mind, mm-hmm. and their consciousness, and, and and their sexual energy is being used by the yeah. egos. Right. But it's just that 
the egos do this through a process of identification and attachment so that the, the person, the, we, we hesitate to use the word victim, but the, the, the host, let's use the word host. The host is duped into believing that, that it's I am the magician. But meanwhile, it's not their their awake their mm. individual shaitan is awakening as a bona fide demon. And after they die, that demon will go off and exist in the infernal worlds now. They are birthing a demon. They are giving rise and giving birth to a bona fide demon through their actions, through their black magic black magic, because black magic every act of magic creates and the more that you the more that we do acts of white magic light magic mm -hmm. the more of the christ we bring into the world yeah. through us the karmic results of that through the transformation of energy because we have to apply our energy our sexual force our concentration our relaxation, our visualization, and we submit and we serve our innermost intimate Christ, that means as the energy, the creative energy flows through us in service of the innermost intimate Christ and in the service of others, we create our innermost intimate Christ. Our innermost intimate Christ develops and grows and grows stronger because how do you grow stronger? If you want to if you want to if you want to build muscle how do you build muscle right you go and you lift weights if you want to become a better musician how do you do that you go and you play music there's the it's the only way mm -hmm. right so how do mm -hmm. you become an angel how do you become a god how do you become a christified master there's only one way performing the acts and duties and work and efforts of a christified master and you do that at whatever level that you are able to do that. And you do that at whatever level your innermost being is able to do that at its level because it's all a process of development. Mm. So you don't start if you're an Olympic swimmer, right? If, you, if your dream is to swim in the Olympics, you don't start by jumping into an Olympic-sized pool and racing against Olympians. You start in the kiddie pool in the shallow end, learning how to dog paddle. That's where you start. But if your goal is to be an Olympic swimmer, that's what you have to do. You have to go into the pool and you have to swim. So in the same way, in the same way, if someone is to become a demon, what do they do? They mm. have to perform the actions of a demon. That's, that's, that's all there is to it. That's mm -hmm. black magic. And black magic serves to grow and develop their ego, their inner ego, which starts to the the metaphysical uh, uh, science of this is something akin to uh, having the many different disparate aspects of just as we have twelve independent aspects of the being, that we we have all we have all the different many different aspects of our egos. But if those various different egos start working together, because egos can work together, and if uh, a number of different aspects of egos 
can combine and work together to achieve a kind of winning formula. And that winning formula is so seductive that their host finds it irresistible to act. Then that amalgamation of egos will grow and develop and develop and their interrelationship with each other will be such that they will begin to form a single entity which is formed of these of this multiplicity, right? This multiple, this multiples of these specific egos that work their sort of winning formula over their host. That is that is what being possessed by a demon is. And anybody who's ever been uh, suffered from any kind of uh, possession of a of a more elaborate entity, uh, we can speak on this subject with experience knows that we're not dealing with just one one ego we're dealing with multiple different types of egos that work together so for example fear and gluttony and lust and laziness and anger all working together well that's a demon right that's a demon that has all of those different aspects but they're all combined they're working together that's why getting rid of a demon is so hard because you can't you can't simply comprehend individual aspects of the demon because it's this one you have to you have to comprehend all of those individual aspects and how they all work together holistically developing as a black magician or a or a bona fide demon it is so impossible to try to illuminate them to what's going on mm-hmm. because, because their 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 psychology is so clever and so powerful and so and so capable of rationalizing and justifying and validating in their own mind what it is that they're doing. So I'll give you give you a good example of this. Um, chaos magicians. Okay. First of all, uh, they first of all they don't call themselves black magicians, right? They're chaos magicians, and they're able to use this term chaos because. They, they reference the Tao and they reference uh, chaos mathematics and they reference the natural world. So they love, they love to point out how all of nature is actually chaos. So they're working with the law within the laws of nature. And again, we've, we've shown that meme many times where you have mechanical nature and divine nature and mechanical nature functions as this chaos. So they believe and they're convinced wholeheartedly that they're working within the laws of nature. And yeah, they're working within the laws of mechanical nature. And guess what? The egos work for mechanical nature. So again, it's another one of these cases where the the mind is completely hypnotized by these mechanical forces of of their lower animal nature. But these chaos magicians now use their powers to do all manner of, so they can heal people. They can perform miracles. And they go around believing themselves to be great healers and great noble souls and great, great saintly beings. And they have this incredible power. They have this power of magic and they study all of these glyphs and all of this, uh, these ancient runes and everything. And they, they create their spells and their spell circles. And, you know, we don't, we don't pretend to be experts in black magic. We have a very, very rudimentary uh, understanding of the actual uh, mechanics of it, but on the at the essence of what is going on, right? In the terms of the visualization, 
the construction of a ritual and a rite and using the power of visualization and then the application of creative energy. That's the, that's the most important element because that's what all magic is, is harnessing the creative force, the Christic force inside of us at our level. That's the sexual force. That's the divine mother Kundalini. That's the ma, right? That's the ma in magic. White magic, black magic, doesn't matter. That's what gets harnessed in the same way that you can have divine sexuality or animal sexuality. What is getting harnessed? It's the same sexual force. If that force flows down and out, you can create an intellectual animal. If it flows up and in, up and atom, right? Up and atom, you can create a primordial Adam. You can create a divine being a true human being in the image and likeness of God, the way Adam was created before the fall. That's where the expression up in Adam comes from and where the expression down and out comes from. That's sexual magic. That's, that's uh, uh, white Tantra versus black Tantra. You're working with the same sexual energy. There's only one creative force in the universe. There's only one. There's only one Christ. There's only one Logos. It's a perfect multiple unity, yes, yeah, so it's everywhere. But there's only one force, right, in Star Wars. But even in Star Wars, there's the cosmic force, and then there's what they call the living force. And the living force in Star Wars is what they refer to force at the level of living beings. That's what we identify with as prana and chi, and what lower levels of magic can use, for example, in martial arts, when you're harnessing prana and you're harnessing chi to like break blocks of ice or concrete, or you're using, or uh, your your or these uh, Reiki masters or other energy experts, right, are using and and uh, and directing energy for healing and for various different things. But we're talking about we're talking about the uh, the sexual force at the level of prana. That's the living force. And then there's the divine force, the, the, uh, the higher, more subtle levels of prana, which we call kundalini, which, are, which is related to prana, of course, but it's not, it's not exactly the same way. That's why so many people out there are duped into believing they're raising kundalini when all they're doing is they're moving prana. They're moving chi around, but they think that their kundalini is awakened because they can feel something happening inside of them. And this brings us to, ultimately, the, this is all well and good when we uh, talk about this in terms of white magicians and black magicians and manifesting and casting spells and all that kind of stuff. We can all agree that that's magic. But where it gets starts to get a little bit more gray area, but far more significant, from the standpoint of this humanity is when we begin to realize that so too is psychological manipulation magic and specifically black magic all forms of hypnotism and mesmerism and even to the point of uh, high pressure sales music ad advertising marketing Mm -hmm. music no let's let's be clear uh again 
we have to make a distinction, mm. right, between divinely inspired music, mm -hmm. which of course you could argue that's divinely inspired music can will can manipulate the psyche, but how does it manipulate the psyche? Elevating it. It elevates it, but but is the music itself elevating the psyche? Is it a mechanical manipulation? Mm. Is it an ego thing? Mm. Whereas you know, mm -hmm. you know for a fact that music which manipulates the psyche in terms of uh, stimulating lust, stimulating greed, stimulating gluttony, stimu right? Or stimulating fear. Mm -hmm. Okay, now... Now that's that's also a manipulation, but they're those are manipulating the mechanical aspects of a psyche. Whereas mm. Mozart, Beethoven, mm. Wagner, they 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 open up they open up our uh, our um, they open up our third eye. They open up the bandwidth between us and our higher self and us and the logos. Mm. So again, it's both magic. But who, and who, or specifically what, or what level is that magic operating on? Mm -hmm. Again, we, we, we bring it back to uh, our, um, our discussion of service, right? And, and doing a service where you are healing someone's body, but not their soul. Versus someone who heals someone's soul, right, and recognizes what's what's really the what's more important. So, is it is it appropriate for me, for example, uh, some fellow recently um, uh, died who was given a uh, a pig heart transplant, and the doctors are surprised that he died. He, he lived for about a month with this pig heart, a pig, which is a devolving animal. Right, right. His heart was removed and replaced by that of a devolving animal, a devolving species. Mm -hmm. And they're surprised that he died. But they were well-intentioned, right? They wanted to save his life. Oh, but you know, but while we're at it, why don't we carve out the very center of your being, your heart, and replace it with a devolving species? You see, you see the the, the difficulty, right? You see the the, mm -hmm. the 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 um the the difference mm -hmm. versus what that individual really needed more than anything, if his heart was that diseased what that person needed more than anything was spiritual healing that person needed love and he needed to learn how to reconnect with the source of love inside of him because if the heart is diseased if the heart is failing that's because it's the heart chakra which is closed and sealed and the uh, vital energies could you mute can you mute your mic oh yeah sorry about that um 
And if someone's heart is failing, then the, the heart center, the heart chakra is failing. And that sort that chakra through which the, uh, the, the, the love flows, uh, it's, it's defective. That's one of the reasons why uh, women get breast cancer. A lot of women who get breast cancer have, uh, have energetic problems in and around the heart chakra, whether they feel that they have trauma or their heart is closed off. Most of us can't feel our heart. We, most of us can't uh, activate our heart chakra. We can't feel that deep love and affection and, and warmth and, and compassion because our heart chakra is closed. We spend most of our time up here anyway, or most of the time we're in our, in our, we're in our head. And if we do feel something, lots of times we feel it in our inferior uh, heart center. We feel it as sentimentality. So we feel it as negative emotion. We feel a lot of negative emotion. We're very quick to anger and fear and isolation and envy and all of these sorts of negative emotions. And we're very easily hurt, right? We, we take offense very easily and so on. Well, what, like, this culture is, this society, especially the young people today, they've been raised this way. They've been conditioned to activate and be in their inferior heart center. These social justice warriors and these Zoomers and millennials, where they expect to receive everything as a matter of fact, they expect to receive love automatically all the time. And they've been conditioned to seek out opportunities to be a victim, opportunities to be offended, reasons to point out, blame others, and to, and to uh, uh, project the responsibility for their happiness or, or, or their suffering onto others. And they've, been, they've been raised that way. They've been indoctrinated that way. They've been initiated into a mentality of black magic. This is entirely a huge, massive exercise of black magic. It is a psychological manipulation. Doing what? To whose benefit? The benefit of the ego and the ego alone. But under what auspices? Under what pretenses? Social justice. The social justice warrior believes themselves to be beyond reproach. They're the most holy, the most uh, uh, righteous and spiritual people alive because they're so-called looking out for the marginalized and the disenfranchised. And how do they go about doing this? Well, through gaslighting and through all the different methodologies that they have, they're winning formulas of of, uh, of victimhood and victim mentality and identification and identity politics. And, but this is all a massive black magic spell. And so too were the, the attack on the Twin Towers, right? Destroying the pillars of Jacqueline and Boaz. 
and replacing it with one pillar, a glowing beaming eye, right? A great individual, a great uh, um, ego in, in their place. And, and expressing all of the suffering and all of the uh, victimhood of the West and blaming it on some xenophobia, some externalized other, some terrorist group. And they even named the group ISIS. First it was uh, Osama, bin Laden, uh, Osama bin Laden, but then they, they came up with a group and called it ISIS and used the word ISIS, which is the Egyptian word for the Divine Mother. And they empowered that aspect of the black magic spell. Because remember, magic uses the same force, right? If magic uses the Christic force, then black magicians use the same symbols, just oriented in slightly different ways or applied to different ends. That's how it was that during the Second World War, the Germans rose to power and prominence and were able to, to achieve all manner of scientific and mechanical and engineering and economic miracles on a secular level under the banner, under the, the symbol of the swastika, which is an ancient, ancient symbol of the cosmic Christ. Go to Japan, go to a, any Buddhist temple in Japan. And as you enter into the temple, you will pass beneath a swastika. Go to Tibet, same thing. Go into to Hindu temples and, in, and it doesn't matter. It's, it's a universal symbol of the cosmic Christ, the Christ in motion. Take a cross and put it into motion. That's a swastika. And so, realizing and understanding, and this, by extension now, we can, we can expand upon that metaphor or that symbol of the chessboard and the pieces on the board. The reality is, is that nobody actually controls anybody else. That's a myth. That's an illusion. Just as everything else out there is an illusion. But that illusion is the modus operandi of the Black Lodge. So when we talk about the global elite and casting black magic spells and creating alterations in the world and using psychological manipulation and emotional manipulation and physical coercion, physical temptation. Because don't think for a second that the whole of the processed food industry isn't completely run by black magicians. They're not, they're not run by food scientists because 
all of their formulations and everything that they do are there to create and st and stimulate exactly the same type of effects in the brain that individuals experience with any other addictive behavior. So sugar has exactly the same physiological effect on the human body as heroin and cocaine. And in fact, sugar has a more prominent, a stronger effect. It's just that sugar doesn't have as powerful a Uh, what's the word we're looking for? Psychedelic effect. doesn't have a, a the same type of, uh, it's not the same, it's not a, a hallucinogen. It doesn't have the same, so it doesn't have the same effects of for, for getting you high. It doesn't, it doesn't. Let's put it that way. Sugar is much more subtle. And yet, the opiate effect it has in the hypothalamus and the brain is, is, is on par, if not stronger, than that of a heroin, which is why sugar is perhaps the most difficult substance to, to kick an addiction to sugar. Well, look, it's not by accident that sugar is in everything. That is not an accident. So why is it important that people be addicted to sugar? Why is it important that people be addicted to alcohol? What is addiction? When you recognize that addiction is self-loathing and shame is pride, and pride is ego, well now, and someone who's loathing themselves right? They feel that emptiness inside. Well, they're going to be a good consumer and they're going to be a good, they're going to be a good um, follower. They're going to be a good zombie and a good sheep. But make no mistake, that black magic is being applied in such a way that it, it, it empowers the egos in the individual. The Black Lodge works with the Black Lodge. The White Lodge works with the White Lodge. That's how that works. The Black Lodge cannot mesmerize, cannot hypnotize, and cannot control someone who is in control of their own egos. That's meditate on that. Because people love to blame the Black Lodge for all the problems in the world. Recognize that if individuals could get their own house in order and get their own egos under control, their own defects and vices, their own desires, their own cravings and aversions, their identifications their, and their attachments, if they could get their own egos under control, the Black Lodge would have no power over them. None. They could see right through all the, all the, all the advertising and right through all the marketing and right through all the, uh, the mainstream media and 
all the black magic in the world would have no effect on them. Because if you because black magic cannot affect your innermost being. Black magic cannot create egos inside of you. Cannot. Can stimulate them. And can channel energy to them and into them. And present things which are tempting for your own egos to become fascinated with and the the gray area or the 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 difficulty is you can even be a very conscious and awake being And a black magician can present something which has the appearance and the surface level of being divine. And you can be tempted by that black magician, by that illusion. And if you become identified with it, and if you act on it, then you can fall. And this is what the fall of the Garden of Eden is all about. And this is what the fall of the angels in the Book of Enoch are all about. How the Black Lodge does have the power to create illusions and temptations and tests which test our innermost being, which test and test us as its vehicle. And isn't that how the hell of the Christians is created? It's like, it's no. by the Black Lodge creating those tents? No, hell exists. Hell's a place. Right, an interdimensional place. But like, I mean, like the actual like structure of the place that like individuals in Christianity, Christianity they have like experiences that they go to and like see hell. And, and like what Dante's Inferno, what he wrote about, like, mm -hmm. like, when he wrote that, like he got that information from where, right? Like, presumably through meditation or through his own explorations, right? Through his own insights, his own intuition, right? And he it's wrote like, that for a reason, he wrote that for a reason as a book of instruction, right? Right, mm -hmm. but that's not, but but that's not a that's when you say that's a that's a creation of no. That's 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 create. That was creation by the uh, creation by the archons, right? That's, that's what I'm talking. That's what I'm talking about, though. Oh, okay. You said the Christians. Oh well, I mean, like they go there, but I was saying it was created by black magicians. I was referring to the archons when I was talking about that. Yeah, no. So the archons are beyond black magicians. Okay. Right? So so archons are beyond egos. So if you want to get into that discussion, then we have. Okay, to I just needed the clear. I just needed the clarity of the terms. I didn't oh, know okay. you were. 
I know. No, I no. Understand. We, we want to have that discussion, and we have to have a discussion about aeons and archons and the Tao okay. and beyond good and evil. And gotcha. And then that that takes us into a completely different level of reality. Because the reality is now. This is now. This comes back to what you were saying earlier about uh, about the way the world is now and the uh, the battle between good and evil and all that stuff. There's no battle between good and evil now. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, the Black Lodge. It's their time to rule. Okay, the, the Black Lodge rules during the Iron Age of a humanity. It's their time. It's this is their time. And For so now, they rule the world. But that's 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 by divine design that they rule right. the world until the next age. And the reason why they have to do that is because they are. They work, as we said, they work for mechanical nature, mm -hmm. and mechanical nature requires requires this humanity to be destroyed. And the Black Lodge are the forces of entropy. They enact, they are the agents of mechanical nature in, in, in forcing and manifesting the law of entropy as it applies to humanity because you cannot undermine you you cannot bring down a building without going after its foundations right you bring something down by undermining its foundations and the foundations of a humanity of a global humanity of any civilization the foundations of a civilization are not physical they're metaphysical so they are history they are religion they are culture, they are language, they are art, they are uh, the nuclear family. So, right, so in other words, biology and the, the natural processes of raising a family and raising children. Um, all of these constitute the metaphysical foundations of a civilization. So what do we see now? What do we see now taking place in our society? Everything from the nuclear family to human biology, history. People are tearing down statues. They're rewriting history. We have all sorts of revisionist history. Religion is under attack in every way, shape, and form. And spirituality is under attack and being, being uh, uh, reconfigured, is being deconstructed and built back better by uh, black magicians who are giving the people what they want, giving people spirituality what they want. Transhumanism. Desires manifest. You know, manifest your desires. That's right. the spirituality of the of the new age, which is all black magic. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's basically the the uh, all of this is undermining what what was what took thousands of years, uh, and what from a golden age we saw its height during the golden age of this humanity. And then, then it's just started deteriorating through the uh, through the, uh, the, the the silver and then the bronze and then finally the Iron Age. Mm -hmm. and we are living in the Iron Age of this humanity. We've been living in the Iron Age of this humanity since the time of Christ, because the fall of uh, the fall of Rome mm -hmm. basically marked the well. I mean the. Uh, the crucifixion of Christ basically marked the beginning of the 
Iron Age, the, and it was also the, uh, the age of Pisces, because um, uh, Jesus was the uh, the avatar of Pisces. But this is the Iron Age. We've been living for two thousand years in the Iron Age. Why year. is it called the Iron Age? And is it? Well, because iron is, because everything goes from because humanities uh, uh, progress, not progress, but devolve through gold, silver, bronze, and then finally iron. Iron is iron is is the most dense and the basest of those four metals. And you can't argue, you can't mm -hmm. argue that the industrial revolution and everything else. I mean. But it's a useful iron. metal, iron. Still, it's not like a degenerated metal. Like it's still harder than gold. Like you're reading too much into this. Okay. You're 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 coming at this from an intellectual point of view, and that's that's not going to get you anywhere. Right. It's so we're talking about. We're well, it's coming at it from a metaphysical point of view, in the sense that like the age can be used by humanity to either degenerate or to or to regenerate like an iron will to like right. resist it right no that no? iron will that iron will that's actually okay. a black magic thing ah uh, that's like what the talking... iron symbolizes then like the iron grip no. of like the vice no no no, no. there is no connection no, there's no correspondence brought, here you, you brought it up you okay. brought it up okay right. put it this way put it this way right. um can you make weapons out of gold yeah. Really? Effective ones? Would you oh, I guess not wear, out of gold. I guess you just armor? played it, right? Would you want to wear armor that's made out of gold? No, that's what I mean. It's soft metal, like. And it's also like it's also heavy as hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah. so would you want to make weapons out of gold? Would you make weapons out of gold? No. Can you arm an army? Can you go to war with gold? Mm -mm. How about iron? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so that's why there is no war during the Iron Age of a humanity. Or sorry, that's there's, there's no war during the Golden mm -hmm. Age of a humanity. There's no war, right? But during the Iron Age, there's nothing but war. Mm. Okay. Right? Does yeah. the does the does the uh, does the um, uh, sorry the mm. uh, the Industrial Revolution? Does that strike you as a wholly spiritual thing? The Industrial mm. Revolution. Mm. And the Iron Railroads and the Iron Dragons, that's what they were called, right? The locomotives when they first, you know, the Iron Dragon. And things like cannons and cannonballs. Because you can't make cannons out of gold either. And you can't make cannons out of silver. And you can't make cannons out of bronze. But you can make cannons out of iron, and you can make and the entire. But even Jedi use cannons in self-defense. Yoda says it. It's like it's like that's an imperfect mythology. I know everything's imperfect. I'm just bringing it into a reference like point, like because it's like you can see that you can see the development of like all of these things, like the industrial revolution, like, yeah, I could easily see it from the point of view that you're talking about, that it's like all like a degenerated, a, a, de a degeneration in the iron age, which I see that I see that as like a, like fundamentally we're on the same page there, but I'm, I'm seeing it a little differently as well, which is that like, it's like civilization in itself was trying to progress, even if it was being like, 
co- guided by black magicians like but it's not just being guided by black magicians it's also being guided by white magicians so it's like so it's like there's always this counter back and forth and it's the iron age because that black magicians have the upper hand not because they're like like the black magicians can never have full dominance of the earth even if they're given dominance of the earth it's like they have the upper hand maybe they have the advantage they have like the but like that doesn't mean like you don't have any hand to play as a white magician like this is like what i'm trying to say is that like there's still a hand to be played here right did we say that did we say that that was the case what was it what was it what was it that we were saying that suggested that You're reading too much into these terminologies. You're allowing your intellect to get in the way of the simple facts. The simple facts are a humanity, according to the law of entropy, everything mm. moves from order to chaos, everything must mm. die. Everything mm. degenerates and dies. Mm. Iron Age simply refers to that period of time where humanity falls into its greatest its greatest, most significant age of degeneration mm. and destruction. And that that process is in the hands of the Black Lodge. That is their job. Their job is to undermine mm-hmm. and destroy humanity. Right. That's their job. That's their purpose for existing. And the fact of the matter is, so so you will understand this more. But they right, but they still have to follow the rules when they're destroying humanity. It's like because yes, and they also have to obey the law, though. Like this is like because it's like the it's like what the it's like what the what the black magicians even know is that they are given this authority. Like you, you know, you said that they're given this authority because it's like everyone knows that there's only one. So every magician knows there's only like one authority it's like the force is the authority it's like the the one logos is the authority so it's like when they're given that authority to like destroy humanity it's like why they're not like depopulating humanity even right now the way they want to be is because they're being like reined in it's it's not that's not their that's not the way you're 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 uh Let's uh, let's try to back this up. First of all, sure. no black magician knows that they're a black magician. No black magician believes that they walk on the dark side. Okay, you know what? It's time for us to share with you a quote. Mm, okay. All right. All right. And uh, this. Oh. All right. We're sharing the wrong screen here. So uh, let's see, stop screen. We gotta share this screen. Oh, that's better. Okay. So we'll draw your attention to this quote here. We're working on a video right now, so these quotes are just we put it into word. Mm-hmm. Um, the black magicians have their mysticism, and they always firmly believe that they walk on the good path. No black magician believes that he walks on the evil path. The path of black magic is a broad way filled with vices 
and pleasure. So, so if he doesn't, if he doesn't believe he walks on the on the evil path, on the black path, then he must believe he walks on the path of light, right? Correct. And then if he believes he walks on the path of light, then he must believe he's a servant of the light. He must believe himself to be a servant of God. He must believe himself to be no, like no, God's no, will, no, right? No, 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 no. He sees God as the enemy. But not necessarily. If no, you say no, he no, walks the... Necessarily. necessarily. Okay. Necessarily, because the black magician is ego. And ego is the antithesis of God. But ego doesn't know itself, know. though. It's like it's like a pardon? mechanical thing, though. You're saying that the you're saying that the ego. It's like you there's like there's a there's a contradiction in what you're saying now. Uh, my phone's about to die. I, I have to get back to it. Well, it's fifteen percent, so I still got some time. I, I just um. You know, there's something that we've said to you often before. Okay. Is that, there are many, many contradictions. There are many, mm -hmm. many contradictions in the path. There's many contradictions in Gnosis. Mm -hmm. But these contradictions are a matter of appearances. They must right. be comprehended. Right. I was only trying to comprehend them. because. Uh, no, you're trying to understand them. Mm. You can't understand. You cannot. The, the mind is going to keep getting you uh, 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 tripped up here because the mind is the ego. Right? right now, your mind is in the service of your ego, and your ego does not want you to understand what we're saying here. So it's going to say, well, no, this, this is a contradiction. That's not necessarily you, what I was saying, though. You misread into my intentions. Okay, so, so tell us what is the contradiction that we're saying. Well, you're saying that the ego, you're saying the black magician doesn't know they're a black magician. Correct. But you're also saying the ego is like fighting is God's enemy. But you, I'm saying that the black magician thinks that they're serving God. And you're saying that that's impossible. But you, because you're saying that the ego and the ego knows it's, but like, I would say that like, like as a, like, here's the thing. It's like, it's like you still think you're serving God. You're just twisted when you're a black magician. Like so, so the ego thinks that it is God. Yeah. Yes. It's also, the it is that. that. The God that everybody else is serving they they, right. they call that God Jehovah Yahweh. They call that right. and, and all of his angels. They say they see all the angels as demons, and they see that God is the devil. They see God as the devil, and the angels are his demons. They see the white lodge exactly the way the white lodge sees the black lodge. Hmm. Right, and and they see how dare you tell me that I have to serve you. The Black Lodge, like the, the, the idea that when we talk about white magic and we say white magic is the logos working through you in the world and you have to serve, like our whole four hour um, uh, live stream on service is all about serving your innermost being, your true self, and by extension, the logos, which is by extension, God doing the work of God, right? Mm -hmm. So the Black Lodge sees that as an anathema to being. They call that indentured slavery. And they're like, no, I'm not going to be the indentured slave of some deity. That's to me. That sounds. That's slavery. That's evil. That's that's a that's a that's a uh, that's the biggest scam in the history of the universe. I'm going to serve myself. I know what's good. I know what's right. Do you know how many atheists walk around saying that we don't need religion to tell us what's right and wrong? 
we can have a universal ethic without any religion or without any spirituality whatsoever. We can have a completely secular, uh, uh, um, just all you got to do is listen to Sam Harris. Sam Harris explains from his point of view that you don't need any religiosity. You don't need the so-called spirituality. You don't need any concept of divinity whatsoever to have a universal ethic, which is completely secular in nature. Mm. That's the ego. That's the Black Lodge saying, no, we can, we can rule. We can be gods. We don't need God. We don't need any of, those, any of that, that, that scam. It's a scam. That's one, of the, that's one of the reasons why people become atheists in the first place, because they look at the church, they look at all organized religion, they say it's a scam. Right. But the, right? Well, the black magicians who even push the atheism on the public, they're not atheists. No, but that's, but that's irrelevant at this point, right? The well, not quite, they... not quite irrelevant, because the whole point of this conversation was back to what we were starting from, full circle, is like the black magician thinks he's serving God because he thinks that he is God and everything else is God, and he thinks he's realized, right? He thinks he's like realized like what God is in like a metaphysical and like intimate way, and he's he's like mistaken though, if he's serving himself and that's not serving everything else. It's like it's like who's it's like a very complex. No, it's actually quite simple, and all you have to do is observe yourself. It's very no, simple, but it's, it's like this. It's, it's like the com. I know, but it's like a. Um, then why are we talking about it? It's like if it's if it's so simple, you know. We're talking about it because you brought it up, and you can't let it go. That's why we're talking about it. I just let it go. I'm done with it. No, I mean. In, in all fairness, when we say that, when we say that uh, it's you're you're trying to you're, you're having you're getting you're getting caught up on terminology, you're getting caught up on perspective. I'm not trying to get caught up. I'm, I was just literally trying to comprehend a, a, a deeper thing that I've been working then, on. But um, then then meditate on it and meditate on yourself. Thank you, and I will. I actually have to go. My phone's like at um, it's quickly declining in battery percent. It's just going to die anyway. So I'm gonna. Take my leave as this. Thanks. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll uh, talk to you later. Yeah. Talk to you. Talk to you later. Okay. Uh, okay. So, uh, just a uh, different perspective, hopefully. This uh, discussion about deception makes me bring up the concept of pre, is it pre-lest, pre-test, how, how they call it in the Eastern or Orthodox Church. Okay that even the deceiver can appear as disguised in an angel of light. They use this a lot to bring up why they don't believe signs and visions. I personally have mixed feelings about signs and visions, since I also see them as a message from the collective unconscious. That's my personal struggle and, I, and risk I take, I guess. Okay. Um, We've never heard this term before, pre-lest. So if the, you say they, this is a term that uh, comes from the Eastern Orthodox Church. However, this aspect that the deceiver can appear disguised as an angel of light, this is absolutely true. And we've mentioned often in our live streams how there are many, many, many people who believe themselves to be servants of this or that archangel, and they they are engaged in spiritism, which is which is channeling, 
and they allow themselves to be possessed by what they believe is an archangel. And they allow themselves to do automatic writing. And this, this being approached them at some time in the astral plane, perhaps in a dream. And they this beautiful resplendent angel came to them and said, I am the archangel Gabriel or Mikael or whatever. And you will be my servant and you will be my voice and you, I have chosen you to be my messenger. And I will, I will enter into you and take control of you and I will, and, and using you as my vessel, together we will write great works for this humanity and you will be my voice, etc., etc., etc. And you can find their books in new age bookstores and you find you, you pick up these books and write in the, write in the preface or, or in the forward or on the back cover, right in the prologue of the book, it's going it, to, the author is going to explain how they were projecting in the astral plane or they were just having a dream one night and blah, blah, blah. And the archangel so-and-so came to them and they, they explain it. They just write it all out exactly how it happened to them. And they say, and everything you read in this book is was was done like through an, like automatic writing, and this is a spiritual crime. And if you read the context of those books, it's all it's all black magic. It's all or we shouldn't say it's all black magic. We we shouldn't be so flippant about it. It can be ninety percent true. Ninety percent and meditate, and do mantra, and prayer, and do all these different things, right? But it won't have anything about white tantra, and it won't have anything about, right? There'll be 10% in that book, which is either 180 degrees wrong, or it's missing. So it's it's uh, lies by omission. So it's very selective. And they just remove key elements, things like the elimination of the ego, that's not going to be in there. Or if it's in there, it's talked about in such, in such a vague, overarching way that there's zero practicality to it. And there are literally hundreds, if not thousands, of books that have been written this way. You may be familiar with something called the, the raw material that was so-called channeled over a number of days back in the 70s or whenever it was, uh, uh, some, some occultists did whatever they did and they made, made a connection with an entity who called himself Ra. And he says, I am Ra. And, he, and every time he starts talking, saying, I am Ra, and he starts explaining all of this stuff and they, they wrote it all down. They, they channeled it all, like a number of different, three or four people where the different channelers were working and they wrote the, all this stuff down. And this is now available. You can get it online. Uh, it's the, the I think it's called the, 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 yeah, that's it. The law of one. Thank you. It's called the law of one, but it's also referred to as the raw material, the R-A, Ra as in Ra, the Egyptian God. And when you read that, there's, there's lots of good stuff in there. They're not lying. They, they, they they the black lodge is revealing a lot of truth. 
Uh, it's very similar with the uh, the stuff uh, about the hidden hand, for example. Oh, okay. Oh, hi. Well, Welcome. Yeah, hi. I can't believe you're bringing up the law of one because, yeah, I was really curious what you think about it. I'm. That's one also of the things why I'm, I don't know, in between about channeled materials because there are good things in it. You know, like they make sense to a certain level. So why would they not actually just say the same things as ancient scripts have said? but just with a new language. I mean, how can you tell that the source of the law of one is deceptive? How, like, I'm really curious. I, I, that's an honest question I have. Okay, no, I, it's, a, it's a good question. It's an honest question. It's a good question. And we have a very simple answer. Um, God does not fax down instructions. Mm. And that's not, a, that's, that's not a flippant answer. God does not fax down instructions. Do you know what the path of the Bodhisattva is? Yes, I guess I know. And it's if, and yeah, I mean, it's... following. Mm -hmm. Okay, God does not. God does not. First of all, possession is a crime. Possession is a spiritual crime. So we'll get back to this 90% thing in a second. Spiritism is a crime. Possession is a crime. Only demons possess. Like channeling. In that sense. Channeling is possession. That's what channeling is. Mm -hmm. A channeling is you allow another entity to enter into you and take control over you while you at best sit and spectate. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about when I, when I talk about possession, right? I know what that means. I know what it means to be, right? I know what happens to me when I have a seizure, for example, okay? So God does not behave that way. God does not do that. And no member of the Logos does that because free will is an absolute law of the universe, and, and so much so that even your innermost being, even your innermost being will not force you to do anything. You, it, it's only a process of you awakening and, and awakening to who you truly are and becoming your soul that you are, that you actually can enact his will in such a way that you are as one, but it's not a possession. Your being does not, you are never in a situation where your being comes down and takes control over you, where you have no say in the matter. Yeah, that's definitely. Yourself. You have to observe yourself to really, to really appreciate that. And why it is that people say, well, God can't be a good God. Look at all the crimes that he allows to happen because God is not a tyrant. All those people are allowed to commit those acts. Why? Because it's the, it's the egos that are possessing them. The egos possess. They break. The egos violate that law of free will. That's why we're asleep. 
And that's why people commit those terrible crimes. And that's why we talk about black magic, about the way that we do. The only reason why black magic exists is because egos are taking possession of hosts and then using them and using their consciousness, bottling up their consciousness and using them to perform the rites and the rituals to take the creative force in the universe to serve the Black Lodge, to serve ego, to serve themselves. And by and, the Black Lodge, you mean the Archons, as in Pista Sophia, the Archons, or in in the in the uh, in the strictest, highest sense of the uh, word, yes, yes. Okay. But but for for simplicity's sake, let's just keep talking about them as the egos. Okay. Right. The egos are the Black Lodge because practically speaking, they are. Okay. Right. From our yeah. perspective, yeah. they are that they are one and the same. The Black Lodge and egos are the same. There is no Black Lodge out there. The global elite are not the Black Lodge. The Illuminati are not the Black Lodge. Okay, all of those peoples and groups and you know and the and the the uh, the Order of the Garter and and all the other stuff the conspiracy theorists talk about. Okay, all those groups and individuals and elites and whatever they are all pawns of the Black Lodge. There is no Black Lodge outside of us. The Black Lodge is inside of us. All we have to do is observe ourselves to know that, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have to worry yeah. about the Black Lodge enslaving us from outside. We have to worry about the Black Lodge enslaving us from within. Yeah, I'm glad you made this distinction because like a lot of people who would hear this term would just think in conspirituality terms immediately and say, well, it's the Black Lodge that we've been hearing about than in, I don't know, in this kind of viral videos and stuff. But I, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I do believe 100% that, you know, all these things that happen on a large scale, they wouldn't happen if, you know, we would not contribute our own bits with our own egos. It's this. the only way that it can happen out in the world is that individuals are individually possessed. And the, the Black Lodge, no one... The only way that uh, the Black Lodge can possess you is through possession, and that's demonic possession, or through channeling, through spiritism. In and, and that happens by them approaching you in the astral plane or, uh, or someone in the physical plane approaching you mm. and offering to hypnotize you, right, to help you with your uh, alcoholism or... You know, quits, I'll help you quit smoking by hypnotizing you, right? Mm -hmm. This is a form of black magic. This is a form yeah, of definitely. That's what I'm thinking. Like, can these things you mean reach you by synchronicity? Say that again. Can these things can this, uh, like, let's say this deception mechanisms reach one just by synchronicity? Someone just turning up into your life to test your ability to be deceived. Well, absolutely, that's what it is. That's a it's a test, and if you and if you allow them, if you agree to the to to allow them to possess you for channeling processes, then you failed the test. Mm -hmm. You failed the temptation. Yeah, I see, and I agree with that a lot. I do have some questions regarding yeah. this because mm -hmm. I, I I'm just why I hop in here because I have a lot of questions on this topic it's one of the things that i've been thinking about a lot so one question would be well yes let's say do we really need to give up everything that is visionary 
because of that. Because there are people, for example, in orthodoxy, they give up all the visionary nuances and the manifestations. Yeah, they don't have mystics, they don't have stigmatas, they don't have this kind of stuff. Well, I personally think it's so much part of our human culture. I mean, if you go to a museum, you will see a lot of paintings that that are basically depicting angels and angels talking to people, to chosen people. So do we need to give the possibility of getting in contact with angels at all? Like, no. So you said so that the, the problem with the, uh, the, the, um, the, the problem with the orthodox approach is they throw the baby out with the bathwater. That, they, that's and, and, how I see it. And, and the, the reason why they did that is uh, partly because, and it's ironic, it's ironic because um, they, they have their icons, which is, which is ironic because one of the reasons why the orthodoxy did that is because they didn't mm -hmm. like the idolatry that they saw happening in yeah. uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, that's what one of the reasons well, why. Well, I don't find that one occurred. ironic. Mm. Sorry, but yeah, I can finish the idea. I don't find that ironic. I'll tell you why. I'll I will give okay. an argument that uh, Ari Corban sure. makes in a book called The Paradox of Monotheism. He says that it's exactly because of the depictions that, um, and it's because of the angelic depictions and this um, um, basically manifested you know like visual the, or i think i'm also adapting it a bit to icons but he's talking about the angels and the angelic appearances of god but it's basically it is because of the depiction that you can have the monotheism it's exactly the fact that it is depicted like if it, if this wouldn't be then yes monotheism would make much more sense but it's the depiction answers a certain need that otherwise would be just replaced by something else. Okay, so but there's but one of the things that they one of the one of the reasons behind the Great Schism was uh, orthodoxies. Uh, they didn't like. They especially didn't like how uh, Constantine, when he converted the Roman Empire to the Holy Roman Empire, and he basically crowned himself the first pope, by what they did was they they took up many of the, uh, the statues of deities that were mm -hmm. Greek and Roman deities, and they just renamed them to mm -hmm. be... To be, uh, this is this is God, or this is this archangel, or this oh, is this like the sun god, and yeah, yeah. So they 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 just they took they took for okay, example statues of Zeus, and they say this is now Yahweh, right? So and then and people like people, the, and the other thing is like all of the um, all of the uh, the Christian uh, festivals, uh, festivals, all of our uh, Roman Catholic. Um, uh, uh, yeah, like like Christmas and Easter and all of these things, they are all they are all aligned with pagan celebrations, right? So because the Romans didn't want to give up their holidays, yeah. So they so they made the the Christian. They said, okay, we're going to have the same holiday, but now it's going to be called Christmas. Like, 
Yeah, right sure, there? sure. I, there was a meme about it, I guess, with the with the Saturnalia and the Christmas, and just Rome yeah, is not now, wanting to give up that. Now there's there's it's a double-sided coin, right? We can take a very cynical view of all of this, or we can say, we can take a very practical view and say, look, on balance, okay, the Romans had fallen into idolatry. When you look at the Dionysian festival, which was, which became, um, which became Lent and Easter, right? But before that was a Dionysian festival, which was nothing but a drunken uh, 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 debauchery, drunken sex, and and it was a complete, it was a complete debauchery. It was it was it was complete idolatry and debauchery, right? And they 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 turned that into into Easter. So hmm. you can look at it in a very cynical way, and they say, oh well, they took a pagan ritual and they just they just made it into a Christian ritual. Yeah. But when you look at how people observe Easter today. And how they've observed Easter for two thousand years, versus how the Romans were observing Easter and the Greeks before them. Well, that 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 time of year, the spring time fertility festival of the pagans, was always a drunken debauchery of sex, right? Because it's springtime. That's yeah, what you do so in the spring, right? You have lots of sex. Hmm. Do so, you think it was just that, or did, were there like was there something like? deeper on a more initiatory initiatic level as mysteries because they they had this mysteries right at the beginning there was but all the mystery all mystery schools and all religions degenerate because everything mm -hmm. everything on this level of reality is subject to the law of entropy hmm. so everything from everything... what i know the mysteries like the ancient mysteries they're kind of the greek mysteries right originate in egypt i read theories on that it's those are just theories okay okay there's no there's well, no communicate somehow i mean like as an european if you want to understand better let's say oriental spirituality the okay, closest so, would be to look into mystery religions of here here's the thing Greek. here's the thing all mysteries the reason why they're called mystery schools mm -hmm is because they're born they're born from within they're 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 received from teachers and masters who bring those religions into being those mystery schools give birth to the externalized religions which then become for the the masses right the externalized the exoteric religion which are veiled in symbol and allegory. And all religions have their mystery school element, the inner circle of esoteric knowledge. Mm -hmm. And all of that knowledge is born of the same source. And it's a divine source. That's why all world religions, doesn't matter if they have any interactions with each, with each other or not, all of the symbols and all of the allegories point back to the same truths. That's what we study in Gnosticism. And then, and then, and but, but, but theologians and intellectuals don't can't accept that because they're secular, because they see themselves as historians and secular and atheist, and they believe all of these religions are just made up. They don't. They don't recognize mythologies contain timeless universal truths. 
They think that they're all just made up. And then so they have to look to external sources and they say, oh, yes, because the Greeks went over to Egypt and they had the uh, they had the, uh, the library of Alexandria. And of course, they adopted they adopted the uh, all of this this stuff from Egypt. They have to say that because they cannot accept the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't explain to them. Well, then, so you say to them, well, then how do you explain that cultures on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean in North America who never had any content, uh, uh, they never had any um, uh, uh, connection or communication whatsoever with ancient Egypt, but they were building pyramids and they also had their mystery mm-hmm. schools and you can unpack all of their symbols and allegories and, and you can you can arrive at the same universal truths that, that, that are in the the uh, the Egyptian mystery schools, the Greek mystery schools, the Andalusian mystery schools, the Nordic mystery schools, and and yeah. so on and so forth, and and Hindu and Buddhist and everything else. They all point to the same. They, they say, "Oh no, that's just coincidence. That's just yeah. coincidence." They cannot accept yeah. the truth. Because the truth is so much more powerful, but the truth, the truth, uh, even though the, to us, the truth will set us free, but to them, the truth is, a, is, is death to the ego. And their entire existence as an intellectual is based in their ego. It's based in their intellect. It's based in their, uh, their theories. And so they cannot accept the truth because then they would have to abandon and let go of their attachments to their own theories and their own cleverness. They can't do that yeah, because sure. they're ruled by the Black Lodge. The Black Lodge is the antithesis of the truth. The Black yeah, Lodge which is, is the ego. Sorry? Which is the ego. <laughs> which is the ego. Which yeah. is the ego, of course. So, so yeah. you cannot... God and the devil cannot mix. It's 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 by design. It's designed that way. Hmm. That of course, that of course. But how can you know, for example? I mean, how can we know the difference or between ah. eternal ancient knowledge and channeled material from um, okay. law of one? That that okay. was a. Here's how you know. You what if that's from the same source? I, I don't want to seem like I have an attachment to the law of one. You, it's not you, like I, you, I just read it out of curiosity. But. You meditate. You meditate. You ask your innermost being for the answer. And if you don't, if you don't get an answer, well, there's a few, there's a few keys that you can uh, use. Okay. So for example, if you I write them are, down. No, 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 no. You don't have to write it down. <laughs> You don't have to write it down. No, no, no. This is not an intellectual exercise. Do you know why you can't write it down? Because when you dream, you don't take your paper with you. Okay. Okay? If you go into the astral plane, you will not have your cheat notes. This is why we have to memorize prayers and we have to memorize mantras. Because if you if you are in the astral plane and you get attacked by a demon, if you don't know your prayer of protection off by heart, you know, it doesn't. It, it doesn't help that you have a prayer book. When you really need it, you have to know it. Sure. So yeah. this key, you have to know. If any being approaches you in the astral plane, any being, and he looks like a master or a wizard or an angel or whatever, 
or he approaches you and he says, I'm this and I'm that, and I want you to do this and do that. You simply say, oh, you know, be very respectful. Okay. Cause you don't know. It could be real. It could be a real angel, but so you don't know for sure. So be respectful and be humble and say, oh, well, then, then um, before I can perform this service for you, please, I beg of you to, to, to first do me this small kindness and instruct me on the matters of the correct use of Tantra. Really? That's, that's, that's a black, a demon cannot, a demon cannot um, uh, promote white Tantra. It goes against the very fiber of their being. They will always tell you that fornication is good, that orgasm is good, that you should have orgasm as often and as much and as intensely as possible. So if this resplendent, beautiful angel instructs you on Tantra and says, yes, it is good to masturbate. Yes, it is good to orgasm. And you, the more intense your orgasm, the more divine your sexuality, then you know that it's a demon. Mm. It's as simple as that. It's just that. Wow. Now, it makes me think, isn't it that John D. at some point, like he was channeling all this angelic knowledge and at the point the this was telling just ask him to swap right wasn't that like part of the john d story oh, i think my internet yeah i mean i'm thinking because I'm, I'm thinking now like yeah a lot of magic has some sort of yeah deception in that sense if you want to say it that way well, most of the time, I mean, a lot of misunderstanding of the use of Tantra. Well, look, um, we we shared this for a reason. Um, we shared this for a reason here. Where is it? No, no, no. It's this one. Look, we shared this for a reason. Okay. Okay. Um, this is just a little meme that we made. Uh, about about how to uh, get in the car and drive and uh, get onto the highway. Mm -hmm. And we just left out one one line. And if you go about driving and you forget to do what's 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 in this instructions here and you don't do it, you'll probably end up killing yourself and somebody else in the process. Mm -hmm. If this is true for getting into a car and getting onto the highway, imagine how much more true it is for magic. And we've often said, right? It's just, if you're performing magic and you don't say, may all this be done in accordance with the law, then you may as well be performing black magic doesn't matter what your intentions are. It doesn't matter if you think that you're doing good in the world. If you don't specify and say that, yes, I'm performing this right, I'm performing this uh, ritual, I'm visualizing that the world being healed or my friend being yeah. healed, but I submit 
to the great law. I submit to the logos. Yes. And that may all this be done well, in accordance with the law or not be done at all. If you do not stipulate that, then you're performing black magic. Mm -hmm. Because if you're because you're doing it from your for the point of view of your eye from your of your ego. Hmm, yeah, yeah, the spiritual ego. But yeah, I mean, I see now. The question I had about now let's not call the new age. Maybe new thought, even Christian Science healing techniques are with this in mind, right? With the will the lord in mind especially christian science especially some new thought authors a lot of them are christian uh, they they go with this let thy will be done so mm -hmm. that that automatically with um, Serena, you, it may be better if you turn your video off because your internet is very slow and you're, we keep losing your, okay. your voice. Yes. Okay. Hope it works like this. So yeah, the question was this. So for example, new age, new thought, all these other methods are, would make sense if they just apply this universal law with the will of god in mind we're not that familiar with uh with i don't know what you're like you call it not it's not new age but it's new thought or whatever you're calling it there but christians who i guess are per, their prayers right they 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 pray and i guess they visualize or they have whatever technique that they're doing right but they always yes. say but but you know but not my will but thine be done right Yes, yes, yes. Idea. It's more like, yeah, it's this idea. Let's say, uh, how could I put it in some word? It's a this similar idea. It's a that similar... We, yeah, there are thoughts create reality, and that, you know, all that story, all that law of attraction story, but explain just as thought vibrations and explain mm -hmm. just that that's the natural law of how things are, which mm -hmm. is, which can be proved and even as a science tested. And at the same time, admits that God is behind this whole thing. Well, they don't have like, let's say, a theology or a doctrine. They don't have very clear, you know, terms for that. But they treat this whole phenomenon of the mental element, I don't know, of the mental process, of the mental sphere and action mm -hmm. and operation as they treat a science. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. they say, this is how thoughts work. This is how, I mean, it's a lot like, I would say that a lot of modern therapies or NLP is based on this kind of wisdom. Like, let's say of William Walker Atkinson, who is probably also one of the authors of the Kibalion, this kind of, this side of knowledge. I know it's more pop culture, but I just wanted to see, like, what's your take on this? Because, yeah, there are opinions that it's, that even if it works, you shouldn't use it. But I don't know, it works anyway. You know, like we do have capacity to visualize, use it mm -hmm. mostly negatively. Why not use it anyway? Is that deceptive? Is that black magic? Just because it's changing reality? That, like, that's another 
you know, there's question only, I have. There's, there's, there's only magic, right? So as we, we, we said at the beginning, there's only magic. And what determines if it's light magic or dark magic, it determines, it, what determines that is what are you serving? Who is the one that's performing the magic? Okay. So when you say that we can, we have thoughts and we have visuals and everything else, the reality is, is that our thoughts, our minds are supposed to be, are supposed to be serving our being. This relates back to the previous live stream we did on service, which was four hours that we did on service and what yeah. it really means to serve and how to serve. So if you apply the same thing that we talked about, exact same philosophy and methodology that we gave for four hours talking about service if you apply that to magic then you have the difference between white magic and dark magic yeah it's it's that simple what are you serving when you are doing your magic when you're doing your visualization who are you serving mm -hmm. Are you serving your higher self, your innermost intimate Christ? Or are you serving your ego? That's what determines if it's light or dark. Are you a servant of your ego or are you servant of God? That's the, that's the determination. That's all that matters. That and the end. And uh, also what's taken into account is the end result. But you don't yes. know. What the, you, but you, do, you can't possibly know what the ultimate end result is because our our vision of the end result does not take into account the great law because we don't see the great matrix of karma and we cannot see the ramifications of the effect that we are having because we are not a lord of of karma we are not we are not Anubis and we are not one with the Logos and we cannot see the fact that the person that we helped, okay, goes on to murder somebody. Or the, or the person, the thing that we thought that we were doing a good thing, that person ends up doing something else which disrupts something else, which disrupts something else, which we could have no possible way of knowing. But the reason why we didn't know that is because we were so limited in our focus and said, but I want to do this. I think this is right. And I have the power to create my own reality. I, 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 black magic, period. End of story. Now, if you say that person is really suffering and I, 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 and I want to help them and I want to see if I can help them, and I, and I pray and I visualize that they're happy, that they're, they're healed and everything. But I say, but not my will, but thine be done. Or let all this be done in accordance with the law or not be done at all. Then you are at least saying, look, I feel in my heart that I really want to help this person. But I don't know if that's, if that's their karma to be helped. I don't know if that's what's right for them. I don't know. I, I don't have an insight into their karma and I don't have an insight into the big picture. So whatever it is that I feel in my heart that I want to do for them, I do, I do so under the umbrella 
of the logos and the law and God, the will of God and the Lord of karma, the Lords of karma. And I acknowledge that, that my, my feelings for them and my desire to help them may be coming from an erroneous point of view or a limited point of view. And I recognize that. So you're humbling yourself and you're coming from a place of humility. Yes, you have good intentions, but you know that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Exactly. That's why that's written in the bloody Bible. Right? The road, the, the, it's a wide gate and it's an easy path into hell. And there's many who take it. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard road. And lots of times... Look at look at the 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 uh, look at the um, the uh, the the example of Christ. Christ had to endure uh, his crucifixion, and look at his disciples. Yeah. His disciples had to stand by and watch their master get crucified. His wife had to watch him get crucified. His mother had to watch him get crucified, and not only that. His greatest disciple, Judas, had to be the one who sold him out. Mm. That's, the, that's, the, that's the service that Judas does to the Christ. He's the one that made it possible for, for uh, uh, Jesus to fulfill his life's work on the path of the Bodhisattva. And become the master of masters for this planet. Yes. I mean, how I would read that is okay. Maybe that was the karma, but also, you know, the person who performed, you know. No, that's it is you, what it is. Judas, if you Judas are a perpetrator, to someone, yeah, who has it in their karma to meet a perpetrator. Now, why? Why is that person representing the perpetrator? It, it's definitely his thing. He's not a traitor. Decision. He's not a traitor. He's not a traitor. No, Jesus I didn't say he's a traitor. I, I'm just saying in a in a situation where someone is a perpetrator and it's it's a karmic situation. Now, why are they perform? Why is that person performing it and not someone else? It definitely tells us something about the person who fulfills that karma and does something some harm to someone else i just see it like that that okay yeah some things maybe were some things maybe are meant to happen in a certain way but through whom that's always a decision of the person who chooses so there's also a bit of yeah absolutely that's they have yeah. to they have to they have to go through with it yeah. But the thing is, is that the, so that's the thing. So that's what what trips up the intellect, okay, is that the Black Lodge ultimately works for the White Lodge. Like you the ego the, works for essence? Yes. The ego ultimately works for the White Lodge. Okay. This is what, this is what, but the, but the, see, the intellect has a very difficult time uh uh reconciling that this um, but so for example if it's someone's karma okay if it's someone's karma to be murdered to die at the hands of someone in a horrific way 
There needs to be someone to perform that act, that horrific act. Yeah, and the person who decides out of their free will to perform that act, well, that's where they are. They're that's also they're also going to accrue the karma of being a murderer. Because they allow it. Because they followed, they went through with it. Correct. Yeah. But they but there's many people who are going to be tested by that. And and not and not many of them are going to go through with it, but maybe but one is going to go through with it, and they're going to fulfill that karmic, uh, that mm -hmm. that fulfillment of that karma for the victim, but they themselves will have fallen into a karmic trap. In the process, because they yeah. will have failed their test, and this is something that's very very. This is why karma is intelligently managed, and it's something that. It's something that's very, very, very difficult for the, the intellect and the sentimentality to process because the ego is not designed to comprehend. The ego can only understand this or that, A or B. It doesn't understand A and B. It can't. It, it, it can't. It can't. Uh, uh, the, uh, it, because the ego is a mechanical, right? It's like an AI. It's one or zero, on or off, yes or no. It's not can't be both. Anyway, we have uh, uh, some other people have made some comments here, so we better uh, go back and uh, and cover some of these before we uh, move on. So Roy, um, Roy posted a a comment here that basically the um, quote that we were reading uh, earlier. Uh, the one that we're making our video out of. Uh, we're just going to read it because uh, Roy's comment uh, got cut off. So we're going to read it. Um, the first part we've already read, the part from Master Samael and Bayor. The black magicians have their mysticism, and they always firmly believe that they walk on the good path. No black magician believes that he walks on the evil path. The path of the black magic is a broad way filled with vices and pleasure. That's from Samael and Bayor, The uh, Revolution of Beelzebub. Okay, so the next one, uh, the next quote begins, the most dangerous form of black magic is the scientific perversion of occult power for the gratification of personal desire. Its less complex and more universal form is human selfishness, for selfishness is the fundamental cause of all worldly evil. A man will barter his eternal soul for temporal power. And down through the ages, a mysterious process has been, has been evolved, which actually enables him to make this exchange. In its various branches, the black art includes nearly all forms of ceremonial magic, necromancy, witchcraft, sorcery, and vampirism. Under the same general heading, are also included mesmerism and, hyp and hypnotism, except when used solely for medical purposes. And even then, there is an element of risk for all concerned. Though the demonism of the Middle Ages seems to have disappeared, there is abundant evidence that in many forms of modern thought, especially the so-called prosperity psychology, willpower-building metaphysics, and systems of high-pressure salesmanship, black magic 
has merely passed through a metamorphosis. And although its name has been changed, its nature remains the same. This is from Manly P. Hall in The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And oh, yes. Roy was... That, yeah. Roy that was answers sharing, the question. Yeah. Right? It's very on, on topic with, with what we were talking about. Um, okay, so Peter Donnelly says, if we react to phenomena with negative emotions, then we fail the test. If we get triggered and anger takes hold or pride or any vice, then we become subjected to black magic and fall. That ultimately is every form of black magic is stimulating these egos inside of us. So if we give in to those egos, then yeah, then we will have been subjected to that psychological manipulation, which caused us to, for example, so when Manly P. Hall talks about high pressure sales, high pressure sales is all about triggering your fear or your lust or envy or some have created some sort of emotional response in you that's that causes you in an act of desperation to sign on the dotted line. And that's yeah, you're you're falling victim to black magic. That's exactly what you're doing and you're because you're giving in to these negative reactions, these egoic uh these ego reactions to these external stimuli. And those external stimuli are designed to create those reactions inside of you and yeah that's 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 the form of black magic benjamin says did judas feel guilty in betraying his friend and teacher that's why he took his own life it's certainly depicted that way uh in the bible but in actual fact that's a an inaccurate representation he's he may have felt very bad and he may have felt i mean how would you feel you know, he was only human and he may have indeed had to take his own life but that's only because judas was the greatest of the disciples and both judas and jesus descended into the dead and were uh were freeing souls in hell trapped in hell that's what that's the path of the bodhisattva and Judas was on his own path of the Bodhisattva, just as Jesus was. And that was Judas's suffering, was Judas had to suffer and perform that service to his master. And that was, that was an aspect of Judas's suffering that he had to go through. And then he had to die and descend into hell and continue his work with his master at his master's side saving souls that are trapped in hell that's that's part of the path of the bodhisattva that the bodhisattva has to descend into hell and free soul know. yeah i mean can't we think of it as like an image of ab absolute failure because what, what, what I is? Mean, it's not like he it's not like we have any clues throughout his actions his evolution as a character that he will become a bodhisattva judas i mean he, no, we well, no, we, end, do, we we do know that he was the person who was the weakest to his own ego, like what we're talking about, like the no, he was the strongest embodiment. Hmm? No, no, he was the strongest. 
You see, you, you can cannot like read. That. You cannot. You cannot read the Bible from intellect, and you cannot read the Bible from any kind of ego perspective because you will get the wrong answer. Hmm. If I you read it like from, he literally failed big time, and then he killed himself. Like it's just failure, straight no, up failure. Not, he, no, they have to integrate failure somehow in the Bible. Okay, and that so okay. which is a hard, a hard thing to take upon. Okay. Had Judas not had Judas not done that, had Judas not done that, and then Jesus could not have fulfilled his mission. Period. There would be no Jesus. There would be no Bible. There would be no Christianity. There would be no there would be no master of masters for this planet. There is a cosmic drama that plays out on every planet yes. for every humanity throughout the cosmos. It is the same drama. It is the same allegory which is played out in flesh and blood. And everyone must play their part in that drama. That's why Shakespeare said all the world's a stage and we but poor players. And if we deny our innermost being who is assigned the work to do X, Y, Z, and our innermost being is, is assigned to play this role in this cosmic drama, and we fail in that, yeah. in that service. Yes, yes, yes. I feel, though, that betrayal is a priori in the story. Like, betrayal was in humanity. Betrayal would exist in groups, would exist in, in any you know, in situations, in families, in wherever people get together, you know? So I feel betrayal was already a thing that was there in humanity and therefore it appeared in this story in this form. It's not like Judas did something by taking this upon himself. I mean, maybe that's that's a bigger but debate. But you're, no, no, you're conflating the exoteric message with the esoteric message. They say every every biblical story, obviously, because you've been because you've been raised in uh, uh, Greek Orthodoxy, you've received the exoteric level of the teaching of all of these biblical stories. That's the surface level teaching. Well, I, I would say I got into it actually. I got into it much later, and I would say I got into well, it after after reading well, esotericism. But if you okay, so but if you read scripture with your ego intellect. If you read it on the and you read it on the surface level, on the surface, Judas betrayed Christ. On the surface, he sold him out exactly. for twenty pieces like of silver. People betrayed, yeah, people betray people. Yeah, but that's on the and surface. And therefore, Judas betrayed Christ. People usually, on... met, yeah. Sorry that I'm using the, uh, you know, that I'm addressing you with a uh, man. But uh, yeah, I mean. If I, I mean, in any group of people, there will be one who is a leader and there will be one who is envious of the leader. Every group, study any group, you will find it. Sooner or later, there is going to be a person who projects something on the leader and therefore they're really mad at the leader and nobody else has a problem. It's definitely a shadow thing. So, of course, someone in that group. So... Let, let me share. Let me share what Joel L is uh, expressing here. 
Sure. Judas carried out Judas carried out a law from God and represents one of our own zodiac or inner characters that betrays our intimate Christ. It is said that Judas died a traitor's death and then hung himself, hanged himself, and went to the lower realms by choice, where he resides still to help others out of the lower realms who failed to find the light. So he the uh, the surface level is right as you say he had to he he is the traitor of Christ on the surface level but i'm not here to teach you the surface level i'm here to teach you the deeper level which is what Joel here is elaborating on is that he played that role of the greatest traitor who ever lived in uh, in humanity who killed the Christ, the Savior, who sold out Jesus. So Judas is the most hated person in all of Christendom. But he willingly accepted that role, and he, he uh, uh, hanged himself so that he could go into hell and perform the work that he performs there. And, that, and he willingly accepted that role to play that role in the cosmic drama. Because as you point out, on the surface level, he plays the, the, the greatest traitor in Christendom and the most hated man in Christendom. But on the deeper level, he allowed the Christ to fulfill his path of the Bodhisattva. And in return, he, Judith, Judith is fulfilling his path of the Bodhisattva. Which is, an es- which is the esoteric meaning. Because Judas was the greatest of the disciples. He, he was given the most well, important task. But that's the esoteric level. That's what you won't hear in any church anywhere in the world. Because they only teach the exoteric level. Which is that Judas was a traitor. And it's not, and it's not good to betray and and as Joel L is pointing out, he and for esoterically, yeah, Judas represents that aspect of us which betrays our uh our innermost Christ. So there's um, multiple there's, there are multiple levels of meaning here. And exactly. one does not exclude the other. One does not exactly exclude that's the other. what I'm saying. Yes, that's yeah, what I was also arguing with you. Trying to, yeah, but we're, yeah, we're agreeing here. We're agreeing yeah. here to, uh, from this point of view that, that it does reflect what we were talking about as ego and essence. So if you look at it that way, Judas is the ego in a way. So we were talking about not that we can't serve two masters. And therefore, that's what didn't ring like somewhat in flow with me that you can if you can't serve two masters you can't put christ and judas as being both made of the same you know tendencies or essence like both being bodhisattva material i would say jesus yes is bodhisattva material acts as bodhisattva material goes to hell and uh, frees pe- frees up people and uh, imparts, imparts compassion to them but on the other hand, Judas, from how he acts, seems to be the kind of an opposite 
direction. But he does fulfill the cosmic drama. And here I agree. It is. It's something that happens. Have you read have you read the Gospel of Judas? No, that one I haven't. Okay. So if you read the Gospel of Judas, then perhaps you will have uh, a different perspective. You have to read the you have to read the Gnostic Gospels to actually have a real appreciation for the disciples. You have to read the God and you have to read the Peace to Sophia. You have to read the. the I the did read the Peace to Sophia and the, I did okay. read most Gnostic Gospels, but I haven't read the I haven't read the um, the okay. Judas one. I don't I'm just, think just, I have it. Just That's saying, just saying that, just saying that, yeah. that the path of the Bodhisattva <laughs> is a path of voluntary <laughs> suffering and sacrifice. If you do not think that betraying your Lord and Master and being painted as the devil incarnate and becoming the most hated man in history is not a sacrifice and not a cause for suffering. You have to try to put yourself in the shoes of Judas when Jesus asked him to betray him. You can't, you can't see, you cannot understand Judas. You cannot comprehend Judas from an exoteric perspective. You have to comprehend him from an esoteric perspective. You have to comprehend him from the facts and from the reality and the practical reality of the situation, Jesus asked Judas to perform this greatest service of all the disciples. This was the, apart from Mary Magdalene, Judas was the most beloved of all the disciples. And that's why Jesus entrusted mm -hmm. Judas with this, the greatest yeah. task and the greatest that, like, just imagine someone coming up to you saying, okay, you need to help me to become an incarnation of the Christ by betraying me to crucifixion. Just imagine the burden that that puts on your shoulders. You will become the most hated person in history. And Judas accepted this burden. Mm, I, uh, I, I don't know what to say. I think he did it for money. <laughs> It's pretty clear, like what the gospel is saying. The main, okay, well, that's again, again, if you if you if you persist with the exoteric level of understanding, you will always arrive back at the same that, that the answer that that you believe, what you already believe. But if you meditate, if you meditate, and you let go of your attachments to the exoteric level of what your mind is telling you, this story is about. And you actually meditate and put yourself in the shoes, and you 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 can ask for guidance. You can be shown the, the sure. Facts I'm, and, and, I'm, you know. sure. I'm sure I'll get it. I'm sure that's how, how I'm gonna get the answer on this because jo again, Joel says, a... uh, says yes, and that drama is in the elliptical of the sun on its path that repeats every year. He also says, Good luck trying to introduce philosophy with a with a metaphysician i'm not sure when you uh, if you think about it judas took the hardest route and finally everyone in the christ drama represents an aspect of our own character well 
That's yeah. true, but also all the disciples represent one of the 12 independent aspects of our being. Right? That's what the 12 yes, disciples... Yes, that's something I, I agree right? with. I would say that that sounds right with me. I guess that's a, that's a good conclusion. So here's an example. Here's another example. Do you know the story of the uh, Doubting Thomas? Which story? Do you, the story of Doubting Thomas. Yes, sure. Okay. So how do you understand that story? What's your basic understanding? What's the, what's the moral of the story? Thomas says, I don't believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. I, I won't believe it until I can put my fingers in the hole in the side of his ribs and, and in his hands and in his it's feet. It's like, yes, um, happy are those who are blessed are those who believe without uh, having to see so, so is that what you believe the moral of the story is? That doubting Thomas is wrong? Oh, no. I didn't say that. Okay, Actually, so, so then... I, I, would, I would rather... Yeah, I, I can say that in my spiritual becoming, I, I've been alive in that mind state, in the Thomas mind state. I don't find something wrong with it as long as it does come from faith with him and from a desire to know Christ. So the story of Doubting Thomas, is, Thomas is that aspect of our innermost being. It's that aspect that, that's behind the consciousness, which, which, which drives us towards seeking self-evident experiential knowledge. Thomas is the aspect of our being which longs for gnosis, which longs for knowledge, to know, to experience, to see directly, to taste and to touch God directly, to know, to have true faith. And faith means to know intimately. That's what faith means. Faith doesn't mean belief. The word faith, the true meaning of the word faith survives in the expression to be faithful to one's spouse. If you are faithful in your relationship to your to your spouse or to your lover if you are faithful that means that you know your partner intimately at the exclusion of all others that's what faith is to be faithful to, so to be faithful to god to be faithful to your innermost being means to know your innermost intimate christ intimately at the exclusion of all others that's mm -hmm. faith. So, but to the church, right? So one of, that's one of the things that they redacted from the Bible was the gospel of Thomas. Because to the church, the church is not about faith. The exoteric level of the church is all about belief. So they had to, they had to keep those lines in the Bible that say, happy are those who have not seen and yet believe. Whereas, in the actual Bible, within the context of the original story, the story of Thomas is expressing the deep esoteric nature of the being and the longing for gnosis, the longing for genuine faith. But in the Bible, what's expressed there gets translated and, and muddled in the translation where ignorance is bliss. Hmm. And happy are those or, who have not seen yeah. but believe. Or they I believe because it's absurd. Sorry? Or the, the idea of believe despite absurdity like yeah i believe because it's absurd 
Well, no. Well, I don't know if they believe because something's absurd. They just, but they believe it because, because ignorance is bliss, and belief yeah. is ignorance. Think, belief yeah, is hypnosis, a... right? Belief is hypnosis. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. So because it's so, not lived, it's not so, uh, awakened. It's, it's not truly understood and realized. It's an illusion. It's a, it's a delusion. So so the exoteric meaning of that story, the exoteric moral of the story, happy are those who are who have not seen and yet believe, and that's taught in every church everywhere around the world that that's the moral of the story, that you have to believe in Jesus even though you haven't seen him. That is completely 180 degrees in the opposite direction of what the real esoteric meaning of the story of Thomas is. Now I ask you, if it's, if it's clear and obvious to you because of your own experience, because of your own intimate knowledge of yourself and your own intimate longing and search for gnosis, self-evident experiential knowledge, it's what you seek, and you know that the story of Thomas, as it's taught in the Bible and by the church for thousands of years, is antithetical to the truth. Why would you doubt that the story of Judas is any different? Um, good question. Um, so well, that's all. We're, that's all. Find... That's that's for you to meditate on, no. and that's for you to contemplate. Yeah, but I, I don't find the Thomas antithetical to the church, the the Gnostic interpretation of it, or the you know intimate interpretation of that. I don't find it. I think. But belief belief is antithetical to gnosis. Integrated. Belief is antithetical to gnosis. Gnosis well, is about yeah. destroying belief. Gnosis is about destroying belief. We do not. We do not. I'm. I don't want anybody to believe. Anything that's 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 hypnosis. That's the antithesis of gnosis. That's why the yeah. story of Thomas is in the Bible. Thomas represents sure. one of the aspects of the being. Sure. Is that Thomas demands that he be able to see and touch Christ? That's the whole point of Gnosis. That's the whole point of the spiritual path is to know God, to know yourself, mm -hmm. to know Christ, not believe in Jesus. That gets you nowhere. Mm. Sure. That, I mean, speak of mecha mechanicalness. That's not the point, right? Of doing some things repetitively. It's like the Pharisee method of doing things, it, learning prayers by heart, learning the, you know, ritual by heart. It's not about that, I would say. And also it depends. Yeah, I guess there are different layers of, of living this gnosis in the exoteric or in the esoteric. I mean, I find definitely a lot of esoteric within the the exoteric once it it's applied as a path, I would say. Um, um, we have a we have a lengthy uh, live stream on um, uh, called "Master Your Mind or Remain Its Slave." Master your mind, or, or remain its wait. or remain its slave. Yeah, 
Okay, this is something that is very, very hard for most people to accept, but the mind is the adversary. The mind is the ego. The mind is the I agree. Mind. It is. And where, it is. Where, does, where does belief reside? What creates belief? In the heart. No, belief is in the like, mind. No, not belief. I mean, no, like that kind of faith. I mean, believe in okay, the sense I of I believe I were, in Okay, God. but we specifically, we specifically use the word belief. If we wanted to, if we wanted to ask you about faith, we would have used the word faith. But we didn't ask you faith. about faith. We asked you about belief. Where does belief reside? Okay. So no, I didn't notice you used it in that sense. But yeah, I mean, belief resides in the mind. Okay. So then, how is belief many. positive? How is belief, how is belief positive? How is belief a good thing? No, it's not. I we agree with mechanicalness, belief that sense of repetition and legalism and that that kind of thing it's it's the antithesis of gnosis yeah but the then yeah i would say i'd have to think about it because i see certain things that that can go from the heart even in people who follow an esoteric path just by the truth of their direct experience okay the way but they that's... sink into the direct experience of the divine through their practice and their the quality of their in which they live yeah, but that's a function they, of their but that's a function of their consciousness and their level of being that's not a function of their belief yeah they may they may believe in what sure. they're doing they may believe in what they're doing don't get me wrong knowledge can lead to belief but we have a video about mm -hmm. that as well because the ego is always yeah. going to try to appropriate knowledge the ego's divine purpose is to appropriate twist tempt corrupt and make fall all that is true and good and of the light including all of our gnosis the second, the second we achieve some sort of, uh, for example, the second we have some sort of spiritual experience, some moment of awakening, some moment of divine experience, the second after we have that, the mind immediately leaps on it like a, uh, like a panther leaping on prey and tries to, tries to take hold of it and say, oh, we must be oh, yeah. an awakened Buddha now. That's the first thing that the mind does is it tries to overthink things and tries to tries to weave elaborate stories yep. around the around the spiritual experience instead of allowing us to sit in quiet contemplation and consciousness and meditate on the experience itself. All of a sudden, our mind is filled with all of these stories about we must be the reincarnation of such and such a master or such and such a saint. It's called um, mystic pride. Yeah. That's the but, mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. And, and though there's a simple, there's a, a simple answer that synoptic gospels give to the people, to generally to any people who read them, is to die for themselves and pick up the cross. They it's just that simple, right? Dying for oneself, doing things like you're not doing them for yourself, you're doing them for somebody else. 
like when, once you give up that attachment of doing things for yourself, right, then it's different. Well, except that the mind is so clever, the Black Lodge is so clever that they can even appropriate that sentiment, that that truth, and and uh, and then you get people like those black, those uh, chaos magicians, those black magicians mm -hmm. who go around healing people and think that they're saints. Yes. But they're chaos magicians and they're wasting their sexual energy. They're using their own sexual energy to perform miracles of healing. And they think that they're saints and try to convince them otherwise. You can't do it because they're, they're completely enslaved by the Black Lodge. Their mind, their ego mind is now so empowered. Their ego is so awake. They're on the, they're on the path to awakening as a demon. You can't oh, convince yeah. them otherwise because they're, con they're convinced exactly as this quote says of Master Samael, exactly as the quote of Master Samael says at the beginning, here in yellow, the black magicians have their mysticism and they always firmly believe that they walk on the good path. Yeah, and they do. Brings, yeah. And, this, and, and in, in a lower level, in a lower level, everybody who believes in Jesus and everybody, is all those born-again Christians and all the people who follow Muhammad and all the all this, they're all believers, right? They believe, they believe, and they all follow that dogma, and all the Catholics who follow their dogma, and then they do good deeds and they do them for the church. Were you around? You were there for the uh the, the live stream we did on service, and we talked about our neighbor who worked for the church. Remember, we we told we we said um, that story yeah. about our neighbor, and she believed that she was doing God's work. Meanwhile, she was neglecting her son, but she was convinced. She was completely convinced that she was doing God's work. The black magician is the same, only at a different level. But it's the same, exactly the same. Only, only, the black, only the black magician doesn't believe that he's doing God's work. The black magician is doing, uh, you know, nature's work or sources work or whatever it is, whatever version of deity or divinity or goodness mm -hmm. or whatever that, you know, they, they have some concept or they're doing what's best for them and the universal ethic and they're helping somebody else. So they're being mm -hmm. altruistic. So they're feeding this, this mystic pride that, Oh, I'm as good as a Bodhisattva because I'm sacrificing of, of myself for somebody else. So I'm like a Bodhisattva. I'm like Jesus. I'm giving of myself for somebody else. I'm using, I'm, I'm, I'm creating a glyph. I'm creating a spell. I'm writing it on some paper. I'm folding it up. And then I, and then I masturbate on it while I visualize. Freaking. Yeah. Okay. And he thinks I'm sacrificing myself for this other person. It's a hundred percent black magic. A hundred percent. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I see it. I mean, it's a bit like, um, where it worries me a bit to see it trending in the self-help community but you see but, but, but hang on but hang on right but the key the key in the lock okay that that allows the black lodge to do this we can call it 100 percent black magic but the key is the belief they believe what they're doing is good they believe they firmly believe that they walk on the good path belief is the key if they didn't have the belief they wouldn't be doing that the belief is the key 
They don't know that what they're doing is wrong. They don't know that what they're doing is black magic. They believe they're doing chaos magic. They believe they're doing self-help. They believe that they're helping others. They believe that they're a holy soul, that they're a good person, that they're whatever. They believe whatever it is, they, but it's their ego and the mind that makes them believe that and turns them into a slave. They are a slave. And belief is the key and the mind is the vehicle. And it is a very, very, very slippery slope from the person who believes that they're doing the work of Jesus, right, to the, to the person who's doing black magic. It's a slippery slope from one to the other. In fact, it's a slippery slope from a Gnostic practicing white Tantra to a black magician. It's a slippery slope. It's a, so easy to fall from white Tantra into black Tantra. It is so easy. That's why yeah. white Tantra was never taught. Traditionally, it was only taught to those individuals who demonstrated their worthiness to receive the knowledge. That's why, it was, that's why mystery schools were always secret societies and they were always barred to the average people because the average people could not, the, the average person cannot handle the truth. And that's why there is, every religion has an exoteric level that teaches morality and teaches how to, you know, treat people with respect and dignity and don't steal and don't kill and don't commit adultery and don't lie, right? And all these like superficial types of things. Because even Jesus said to, the, to, uh, to you, it hath been given, the knowledge hath been given, but to them, the others, it hath not been given. That's what Jesus says to his disciples. I have given you the secret knowledge, right? The, the, the secret doctrine of the ages, right? To you, it hath been given to know, but to them, it hath not been given because they're not ready for it, right? And the vast majority of this people on this planet are not ready for it, and they're never going to be ready for it, unfortunately, because we're at the end of this humanity, and this humanity has run out of time. And we're in the Iron Age of this humanity. And the Black Lodge rules the planet during the Iron Age. And black magic is everywhere. And everyone is being conditioned to practice it. And everyone certainly is being exposed to it. If nothing else, through the mainstream media, through advertising, through high-pressure sales, through self-help, through New Age, through their religions, through all the degenerated religions and all that stuff, and everybody is being uh, manipulated, including contemporary psychology that teaches people that in order to become better, all you got to do is reprogram your mind. So basically, you're robbing so, Peter to free Paul. So basically, you're what? Wait, I didn't hear the last part. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Okay. Yeah. That's an expression. That's a that's an expression. I see. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like in other words, in other words, if you if you are suffering, right, and I go into your mind and with hypnosis and with therapy, and mm -hmm. I rearrange the chairs on the Titanic, is it does it make a difference? If you rearrange, if you rearrange the chairs on the Titanic, is it gonna make a difference? Mm -hmm. That does make what, a difference. Does if it? Does, like rearranging, does rearranging the chairs on the Titanic make any difference? It doesn't. No, that doesn't. It's still sinking, obviously. 
That's right. That well, that's contemporary psychology and people who say all you got to do is reprogram your mind. Mm. You don't. Yeah. Have, you can't. You don't. It's not your mind you have to reprogram. It's your consciousness you have to awaken and you have to master your mind. You have to. Your mind has to be your master, not you being its slave. And you reprogramming your mind so that it's easier to live with doesn't make you its master. It just makes you a slave to a more benevolent mind. That's all. But you're still asleep. You still only have your intellect. You still only have your beliefs. Your consciousness is still just as asleep. Well, yeah. Maybe maybe what's required is a combined treatment. A combined treatment of both observing and addressing thoughts and and following the spiritual remember remember what we remember what we said about trying to change a movie in a movie theater okay what's what's in your mind is the picture that's on the screen okay that's that's your mind that's all your mind is is a screen your yeah. mind is just a screen now if you want to change the movie in the movie theater can you do that by changing the images on the screen? No. So what do you have to do to change the movie? What, where do you have to go? What, in what is it that you need to change? In the you go screening. to the screening room and you take the film out of the projector. And it's the film that you have to get at. You have to get at the source of the images on the screen and the source of the images of this on the screen in your mind are our egos uh, okay. but, you, but but you cannot understand egos with the mind you can only I comprehend see, see, egos yeah. with consciousness because it's the light it's the light that that the egos have trapped that allows them to project onto the onto the screen it's the consciousness that's trapped inside the ego. It's like the light bulb in the projector that's creating the movie on the screen. But when you take the film out of the projector, now you freed up the light. Now it's pure white light. Now God can come and put a new film in the projector. Or God can come and the hand of God can come down and in that pure white light, he can make shadow puppets and he can send you messages. He can, he can, he can communicate with you on the screen. Why? Because there's no longer this, this crazy film that's blocking the light, that's creating all these stories in the mind that's being projected there by your egos. This is what awakening is. Awakening is eliminating comprehending and eliminating your egos those things that are creating those false narratives and beliefs and identifications and attachments that fill our mind with all that garbage that pre that prevents the pure light of consciousness from reaching the screen of our mind and preventing the hand of god to come in and make shadow puppets for us that we can see clearly on the screen and say ah Ah, uh, now I know what my innermost being is communicating to me. Just like the only way I have these words to speak to you is because they're coming through me. 
That's this great. I, I appreciate right? it. I'm so so happy you brought this image up. It, it's like um, the world of really, yeah. That's kind of like how you see the world of forms, the, the whole Plato thing. That Oh, Plato's cave. Yeah. Yeah, Plato's cave. Right? I mean, yeah, changing the movie and getting to see the forms. Just, yeah, taking the, yeah, taking the, the but remember, all of this is happening inside of you. All of this is inside of you. Right, the screen, the projector, the film—it's all inside of you, and so is God. And even now, God is doing shadow puppets on the screen, right? Because God is always speaking to us. Our innermost is always guiding us. Our divine mother is always there. It's just we can't hear them because we're 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 hypnotized by this by the the mind. We're hypnotized by the story that the mind is playing on the screen. Okay. Couple quick uh, comments here. Um, Benjamin says, "So true. The moment you are close to an epiphany and spiritual experience, the mind interrupts everything." Yeah. Okay. That's another thing the mind loves to do. The mind loves to sabotage our what we're uh, what we're in the process of doing. All oh, this here's a quote from Gurdjieff uh, from Roy. Roy says, "Man is immersed in dreams. He lives in sleep. He is a machine. He cannot stop the flow of his thoughts." He cannot control his imagination, his emotions, his attention. He does not see the real world. The real world is hidden from him by the wall of imagination. George Ivanovich Gurdjieff. That's interesting. He used that word. What he really means is uh, subjective imagination, which is fantasy. Because imagination is a, is a quality of consciousness. So we never want to get the idea that that imagination in and of itself is a negative thing. What's negative about it is imagination in the hands of the ego. So the ego loves to fantasize. So when the imagination is used by the ego, then it creates all sorts of fantasies. And all we have to do is observe ourselves to see that happening. When we fantasize, for example, about the future, about the past, and, and, we, and we're, we're always dreaming up uh, uh, the worst case scenario or the best case scenario or, or you know, we imagine winning the lottery or any number of these things where the ego is, um, is fornicating with us through our imagination and it's, and, it's, um, and it's using that imagination and twisting it into and corrupting it and turning it into fantasy. So that's just a modification that we would give on Gurdjieff's quote. But the, the essence, the spirit of the quote is correct. Just the, uh, the letter of the quote uh, deserved some um, elaboration. Sometimes we have to be able to read these things with our heart. We read them with our consciousness to be able to get the full meaning because language being what it is and the intellect being what it is, we see words like this. Imagination. Oh, my God. Imagination is a bad thing, according to Gurdjieff. Imagination is not a bad thing. Imagination in the hand of the being is insight, is vision, is inspiration, is revelation, right? But in the hand of the ego, imagination is fantasy. It is, it is um, uh, obsession. It is <clears throat> neuroses and um, uh, yeah, we said obsession, didn't we? Uh, okay. 
Thank you, Roy, for that. And thank you, Benjamin, also. And thank you, everyone, for your comments today. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, how we, we can be talking about white magic, black magic, and invariably we end up we end up getting down to the crux of the matter. And the crux of the matter is black magic is happening inside of us all the time. That's the reality. And that's what Gurdjieff called the terror of the situation. The Black Lodge is inside of us. The Black Lodge is the ego. And black magic, psychic manipulation is happening to us all the time, here and now, moment to moment. The, the manipulation of our emotions, the, the manipulation of our mind, the manipulation of our imagination, that's happening all the time inside of us. And we are constantly being tempted to act on that. Right? The, 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 the Black Lodge is not out there. We don't have to worry about it out there. We have to worry about it in here. And, and yes, there are black magicians, and yes, there are demons, and yes, there are all sorts of people doing all sorts of nefarious things, of course. But the one thing that we have most, that's closest to us, that we have most power and control over is ourselves. And it is the one thing that all of us, bar none, uh, have as our primary purpose in life is to be able to overcome. That's the mountains that we have to climb inside of us. And nobody else can climb those mountains for us. There is no healer. There is no master. There's no angel. There's no saint. There's no God who can do the work on us that we can only do for ourselves. We have to become the magicians and the sorcerer's apprentice. Our innermost being is the magician, the sorcerer. We have to become the apprentice. We have to serve. And the apprentice must know the spells, must know the practices, must know all the equipment in the magician's laboratory, in the alchemical laboratory. But the apprentice is an apprentice. And the master is the master. And if we can learn to live that way, then we can learn to remain on the right-hand path as we perform our magic, the magic that must be performed on ourselves and the magic that we are here to perform in the world, our service to the world, the magic that we are, that is, is destined to flow through us. But that can't happen if we are allowing ourselves to fall under the influence and we're falling under the spell of our of our black magician our innermost black magician our innermost shaitan shaitan which is our ego which is constantly wanting us to serve it and serve our desire and giving us all these desires for us to you know and all these attachments and identifications and beliefs for us to become attached to and 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 live in service of Roy says, we are not, we are playing black magic or white, aware or not. But most black magicians is from new age and they don't know or aware that it is. That's true. That's true. And unfortunately, we've, we've tried, we've tried to get our message across to them. And we've been, um, we've been 
uh, kicked out of many new age groups on Facebook when we have challenged people and their manifesting desires and their all of that stuff. And we were kicked out of those groups because we were seen as being too negative and we were being, uh, I don't know, we were, you know, the fear and they were saying we were uh, preaching a doctrine of fear and all kinds of nonsense because of course these people have to rationalize and justify themselves. Again, it's their beliefs. It's not that they don't know, Roy. It's not that they don't know. It's that they believe. They want to believe. Who doesn't want to believe that they're a magician, that they're a sorcerer, that they have the power to manipulate reality and create the reality that they want? Who doesn't want to believe that? I mean, come on. That's like that's like somebody saying, hey, listen, you can win the lottery. Well, who doesn't want to win the lottery? It's well, so the, I guess, yeah. I think the pain is so great in these circles that everybody's trying to get rid of their pain really quickly, not to follow a system, like a solid, you know, system, but to get a solution for the pain or for the need. And the irony is, the irony is, is that the more, the more they manifest, the worse, the deeper their pain becomes, the more, the deeper they have to go into the black magic, the deeper down the left path they have to go. Yeah. I saw that happen a lot in this circle, that it's, it's the downward spiral. Mm. It's the downward spiral. It's like, it's like any addiction, right? It's like any alcoholism or drug addiction or addiction to sex or pornography or gambling, like any addiction. Once you start down the left-hand path, the only way, the only way you, you can rationalize it is you have to hate God. You have to hate yourself. It's self-loathing. There's something deep inside that the ego cannot abide. And so the ego is going to continue its quest for power. Again, that's why we began at the beginning talking about strength and power. The ego cannot, the ego is incapable of strength. Strength is a quality of the being. The ego is incapable of strength. But the ego can accumulate and work with power by subjecting it. In the same way that the film, in the film projector, subjects the light to the image on the film and thus creates the story on the screen but the but the the film itself has no light it has no power it has no strength but the light bulb has strength and it has power Benjamin says, when Jesus said that if someone who hates his brother is a murderer and eternal life does not abide in him, this is alluding to black magic through our thoughts, right? Same case when a man looks lustfully to a woman, that man commits adultery. Um, the thing about thoughts and words and black magic well you've you've probably heard that expression the reason why uh they call language they call it spelling 
because words have power and words have meaning. And if we can use mantra to transmute energy and we can work with mantra and prayer to do magic in a positive way and serve God, then clearly the same thing can apply with words to serve the ego and serve the Black Lodge. And you can see that all the time. For example, sarcasm. Sarcasm is murder on the mental plane. You're, you're killing somebody with your sarcasm. It is mental violence. And so much of the words that you see used uh, around uh, nowadays, and, and it's, it's fashionable to be sarcastic, even with your friends. And to and to run people down and so this is all violence on the uh, on the mental plane. So thoughts obviously relate to that. If you fantasize about somebody, you're violating them on the mental plane. If you fantasize about them sexually, so you're committing adultery. If that person's married, you're committing adultery with them. And if they're not, even if they're not married, you're basically raping them on the mental plane. And it's a terrible crime. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, it's that you, you might not be doing it physically. And people think that, well, if you don't go through it physically, it's fine. So in that sense, now take it to the next level and look at all of those movies that Hollywood puts out. And all of the uh, simulated murders and all the simulated sex and all the actual sex in terms of pornography, but all the, and all of the, uh, the, the violence and the horror and all the rest of it. And people call it entertainment. And they go and watch to viscerally play out their fantasies on an actual screen. So they don't have to, they, and, and they, they invest all of this energy into that. It's a... Um, black magic is everywhere. Black magic is all around us. Uh, Roy says, the solitary path. There are things that are not yet true today. Perhaps we are not yet permitted to recognize them as true, although they may be true tomorrow. Therefore, every pioneer must take his own path, alone but hopeful, with the open eyes of one who is conscious of his solitude and uh, of its solitude and of the perils of its dim precipices. That's Carl Gustav Jung. Initi initiation is a solitary path that leads, oh, I should put this on. Uh, initiation is a solitary path that leads us to the one light within. It's the process of the outer self coming to know the inner self. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of your quote got cut off there, Roy. There's a, there's a word limit to how big you can make comments. Benjamin says, I agree with Serena. Multiple egos are being projected by the so-called new agers. In many cases, I, yeah. Okay, so he, Roy tried again. The solitary path initiation is a solitary path. Uh, others may guide. Okay, I'll just read it. The solitary path initiation is a solitary path and is the process whereby we come to the one light within ourselves. 
It can only be attained through our own efforts. Others may guide us, but it is ultimately a process of self-initiation. Another may show us the door, but it is up to us to walk through it. You are your own best guide. You are the alchemist, and you are the living, breathing laboratory. You are the mediator, and you are the reconciler of worlds. It is your task and yours alone. How true is that? <clears throat> and ultimately, this is really the focal point of today's live stream and every live stream that we do, which is especially like we call this our, you know, calling this our mysticism series, but it's a practical series. It's, this is why it was homo nosite ipsum on the entrance of, uh, uh, the Oracle at Delphi, man know thyself and you will know the universe and the gods, right? Gnosis is a solitary path. It's an intimate path. It's a path back to your own intimate innermost Christ through yourself. And sure, a man and a woman, if they have that connection, if they can find that connection and they're meant to be together, then they can walk each of them side by side down that path of the per perfect matrimony together. And they can perform the work of sexual alchemy, of sexual magic together. But each of them as an individual are on their own path. Those paths may be parallel, they may be overlapping, and of course, that's a beautiful thing, and that's a wonderful thing when that happens. But ultimately, even though they're working together and they're walking a path together, they're also still, both of them, walking on their own path. Their own path to their own innermost. And uh, we appreciate you, Roy, for uh, sharing those quotes that you did with us because they were meaningful and they were pertinent. And this whole issue around the uh, the whole issue around white magic and black magic comes down to this, right? Which which elements inside of you, your higher self or your lower self, who's purporting to be the magician? Who's the one trying to be in the driver's seat? It's, it relates directly to our uh, live stream on service. The two things are so intimately related. It's simply a matter of level, where if service, you know, people can serve as a nurse or a, or a, or a whatever, a teacher, a groundskeeper, a chef, I mean, a plumber, it, you know, that's also service. And someone can be living a life of, they're doing exactly what they were born to do by being a plumber. And they're being a plumber with a kind of consciousness and a kind of, a kind of mastery and a kind of love and dedication and devotion that comes right from the, from the deepest aspects of their soul. And they're, they're serving humanity at their level, at the level that 
their monad is able to at its level. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But they're committed and they're dedicated and they're devoted to this, 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 this vocation that, that they feel in the deepest part of their being that, damn it, I'm going to be the best damn plumber I can be because that's what I feel in my heart. That's my passion is, is, is water flowing through pipes and stopping faucets from dripping and all the rest of the, 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 the necessary services that a plumber is able to provide. And someone wants to provide that service with all of their strength and all of their energy and all of their vitality. And they say, this is how I can serve others. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. They know themselves. It's the same thing. Before we start dabbling in magic, do we have that level of commitment, that, that level of knowledge, and that, that dedication, that devotion, that, that integrity, that integral connection, knowledge of, of spirit, that, that faith and devotion of being? Do we have that? Do we possess that? Or are we possessed? by pride, by fear, by envy, by greed, by our beliefs, by our dogmas, by our, our desires, our cravings and our aversions, and our idea of greatness, idea that I want to do it, I am the one, I am this, and I am that, and I am this, and I, 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 I. Do we ignore the still soft voice and the pull, the being impulse. Speak of Gurdjieff. Gurdjieff writes about the being impulse. That's how he describes the still soft voice. This mystical, mysterious push, or, or at times it's, it's like a, a pull. It's pulling us in a certain direction. It's drawing our attention. That's pushing us to act in accordance with our destiny. Just how are we going to perform magic? Just how are we going to wield this incredible power, the power of God, the power of creation? And are we qualified to wield it? Or is our, is our place to serve as a tool and a vessel and a vehicle for he who is qualified? That's the difference between white magic and black magic. It all comes down to you and me. What's in our heart and what's in our mind, right? Anyone have any other thing to add or ask or we've been at it for almost four hours so uh if if uh anyone has anything to add or ask now would be the time 
Um, I wanted to ask, add about uh, Gurdjieff. He was um, also talking about the Obi Vatel, this uh, normal person who just has a simple life and does his work and uh, takes care of his family. And he says in, uh, in Search for the Miraculous that this person has much more chance to to meet the divine somehow to I don't, I, uh, like he has much more chance uh, chance to to i don't know to a better afterlife than the person who uh just struggles to know thing to know things in the sense of you know from personality um so yeah, that that's that that was very that was a really strong uh, conclusion about about why are are we doing this thing? What, if we are a tool for he who is beyond uh, and qualified, because there's that that line, ignorance is bliss. And there's a reason why. In Genesis, the tree is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The, the challenges which face those on the path are far greater. Like, for example, we get our eggs from the, the Mennonites uh, who live a very simple life north of Guelph here. We get our, our all-natural, you know, uh, uh, eggs the chickens are wandering around the farm doing what chickens are supposed to be doing eating it bugs and doing you know whatever or they're or they're in the barn in the winter time but it's a big barn and they can fly around and they can do you know it's they're they're happy healthy animals and uh and the the farm there is run by the family and they live in a very old-fashioned way a very simple way and they sell their eggs. And of course, they have their interactions with the outside world and everything else. But we also uh, get our goose from them for Christmas time. And they have this beautiful big flock of geese on their pond. And uh, they have all these animals. And every, every, everywhere you, every time you go there, it's this, you can't help but feel it. You can't help but feel the energy. And, and, the energy, these people are God-fearing, very simple-minded, God-fearing people. They, they, they only understand the exoteric level of Christianity, but they live by it. They yeah. live by the words wow. of Christ, even if it is only on the exoteric level, but you know they live by it, and they imbue everything that they do with these, notions, these simple notions of honesty and integrity and and loyalty and and devotion and dedication and goodness and kindness and and hard work and 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 like you know these simple cliches that that modern society laughs at but like cleanliness is next to godliness and things like this things like this and and you can tell that these people are 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 happy and they're and there, there's something there's something very noble about it, and there's something very beautiful about it. Even as there's something kind of simple, and it's and there's an there's a um, there's an elegant 
sophistication to their simplicity. And, and somehow you get a sense of these individuals that you could trust them with your life. And if you ever had a baby that needed looking after, you could feel absolutely confident that you could take your baby over there and they would look after your, your baby and your baby would be in perfect hands. You would never have to worry. You just have that sense of, 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 of goodness that, that comes from them. And I, and I swear you can taste it. You can feel it when you eat the eggs that come from their farm. And so this is something that, 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 uh, this just sprang to mind mm -hmm. when you, Serena, when you mentioned what you mentioned, yeah. what Gurdjieff said, this is what springs to mind for us. And that everywhere around the world, this is under threat. And everywhere around the world, everyone is being coaxed and, and seduced and tempted and pushed and conditioned into this more complex, complicated way of living. We on the path, for better or for worse, we've chosen, maybe not you and I, the mortal vessel, but our being has chosen the path that we are on. Hopefully we followed that path that, was, that, that, that we've chosen to be on. And our challenge comes from our knowledge. Our knowledge, yeah. of good and evil, our knowledge of ourselves, our knowledge of, of the Black Lodges within us. You see, those simple people, they have a similar type of knowledge. They live it. They just, But they just have a different way of understanding it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, that direct experience, you know, that can happen through exoteric practice oh, yeah. if you live it and in, in an awakened state. Oh yeah, if and they know. I mean, and and they know. Like for example, if you speak to, if you talk to them, they know that there is no Satan out there. There is no devil outside of them. They know yeah. where the devil comes. They know how the devil gets to them. They might understand it in terms of God and the devil, but they know that it's that they don't have to worry about some devil out there. They know that the devil's in here. They they know that. They know that this is where goodness is. This is where goodness comes from. This is where godliness comes from. And they know that, that, that to be Christ-like is what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christ-like, not to be someone who believes in Christ. So, and they live their life that way. And you can yeah. tell. You can tell. And they serve their animals with the same kindness and compassion and love and devotion and dedication that they serve their own family members. And they have a lot of animals, which means they have a big family. <laughs> and you can tell. You can tell. You go there, you go there, the chickens will come up to you. The chickens will come up to you like oh, as if to say, oh, hello. <laughs> it's, it's, I've never, I've never experienced anything like it. Anywhere else you go, Right. If you go anywhere else, you know, the animals are afraid or they run away or whatever. You know, here they have goats and whatever. They just come up to you. It's like, you're not afraid of anybody. They don't know fear. There's no fear anywhere on that farm. 
so it's it's a it's so there is so much wisdom and knowledge um to be had in these in these beautiful sentiments and is like there really was you know humanity was really so much more so much wiser in the past we might be more intelligent now okay intellectual and intelligent we might have more gadgets and more technology but this humanity is so much more stupid it's flat out dumb ignorant stupid than we were in the past truly when it comes to happiness and peace and joy and love and what really brings happiness right you go, oh, yeah. you go and visit those mennonites pff, they don't need any therapy they don't need any self-help yeah right? that's they what i meant when, yeah, when i said that faith comes from the heart yes they have true <laughs> faith that's what i was trying to tell that time yeah they have when yeah, you asked me about belief. yeah that's right. That comes from knowing. That comes from knowledge. That's exactly the, what I had in mind. And I yeah. can give you examples also from the Eastern Orthodox world tradition or, you know, the people I know who follow this path, who are born in it and live like that. And yeah, I can tell that if, if something comes from the heart um, and then it, and it's honestly serving god then we have more in common or we wish to have more in common with this kind of path i would say considering all the gnosis i mean the gnosis can be dangerous in a way while if losing if if one loses this other side of it from side well um, or that's my that's my perception it's the 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 challenge is it's all like so the one thing that the mennonites uh have learned to do is they've they kind of isolate themselves so they've learned to reduce the temptations. I can guarantee you that they don't have any Netflix. You know, they don't have any, uh, they don't, and they don't, they don't worry themselves about, you know, making sure that they have all of this entertainment, you know, and, and, and all of this technology, right? They, they've, they've kind of insulated themselves and isolated themselves because they know, they know that the more you know right you lose that ignorance is bliss quality where things become much more complicated the more you know and we on the path face that because the more you know the more you we are given to know because it's not because we know it has it it hath been given unto us to know but the more that we are, it is given unto us to know that is always in accordance with the level of our being. And that means that the more we know, the higher level we are, the challenges that we face 
are going to be that much harder and that much tougher. And this is why it is so easy for those on the path to fall. Because the higher we get, the, the climb doesn't get any easier the higher, the, clo the closer you get to the top of the mountain. The climb gets harder the closer you get to the top of the mountain. Mm. Mm. And, and so for, in our case, we promised you that we were going to do a, a, a video and we were going to uh, put it on Facebook and on YouTube uh, with, uh, with this quote that we read and that Roy shared again about uh, from Manly P. Hall and Samai Anbayor about black magic. And we told you on last Sunday that we were working on this video. Do you know that we weren't able to finish that video because the entire week we've been suffering from depression? Huh. Because the minute yeah. that we make a promise to you that we're going to do something, the demon comes and says, ah, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not doing that. And, and no matter what we tried to do, no matter what we did, we did not have the energy. We could not focus mentally. We didn't make any memes this week. The only thing that we released on Instagram on Thursday, we, we finished that last week. We posted it. To, we, we did a scheduled post through Facebook so that it would post a week later. It's the only thing that we posted all week on Instagram was what we did on um, what we did a week ago. We were completely useless all week. We were just completely suffering. The demon was just having its way with us. And we were just totally drained of all our energy. We couldn't motivate ourselves to do anything. And we've learned from experience that there's it's even it's pointless to try, it's pointless to fight it because it only makes it worse. Because then we just start feeling guilt and shame and all kinds of anxiety. And the demon loves that. The demon loves to loves to to get us to fall into that trap. But rest assured that that even though we don't suffer from seizures like we do like we used to so we've we've over we've come a long way in overcoming that but the demon still has his way with us and still finds a way to challenge and test us and test our patience and test our 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 uh, our, our ability to you know allow and go with the flow and 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 it's tough. It's a hard road. And it doesn't get any easier. It doesn't get any easier. It gets, in one sense, it gets easier. But in another sense, it gets harder. Because the, the challenges change. The tests and the temptations and everything, it changes. And again, it's all orchestrated on our path by our Divine Mother. But this is uh, what... Serena was talking about what true faith is, right? That's that's the meme that's on here. And it's always, that's why uh, the word faithful is related, uh, again, to the spouse, to our, our partner, because it's about intimate knowledge. And that's why we have that expression, to know somebody biblically, biblically because in the Old Testament, you know, they have passages where they say, um, uh, and, and Adam knew Eve, right? And Adam yes. knew yes. Eve. And, it's and, a and verb, yada, which means to know. 
Yeah. That's right. And, and, and what happens when Adam knows Eve? Well, they, they give birth, right? To Cain and Abel, right? So, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's very intimate to know is intimate. It's intimate knowledge of to become one with union. That's yug yep. in Sanskrit and religare in Latin. Those are the root words of, uh, of religion and uh, yoga. And it literally means to know intimately, to, to achieve union with, uh, uh, to, to, to bind together. Religare literally means to bind together. And that's why we say the ties that bind. And that's why we bind, we bond a man and woman together in holy matrimony and why we give them rings. Because the rings are the link that create the infinity of the masculine and feminine and the, the, uh, the, um, the uh, continuum between masculine and feminine. That's the holy eight. That's the two wedding rings. That's to bind together. That's religion. And that's why all religions are all, uh, you know, when you talk to an atheist, they say, but all religions are all obsessed with sex. That's because they're looking at the degenerated religion on an exoteric level. On an esoteric level, and they understand the nature of the Christ, the nature of the Tao, the nature of the masculine and the feminine, the nature of the Christic force, the nature of magic. It's all sex, union of masculine and feminine, the nature of how we create reality, the union of masculine and feminine. And that's why white tantra is so important on the path. And that's why faith and being faithful, being faithful to your spouse is an outward expression and being being two man and a woman being one and united as one in love uh, is a an a version or an analog an analog for us so that we can it's the prototypical analog so that we can know in the flesh what we long to achieve in the spirit. And then by combining these two, if we know what it's like to be one with another person in the flesh and in, the, in, the, in love in our hearts as well, right? To be one with that person in our heart. That is the prototype for us to know how to be one with our higher self in our, in our metaphysical bodies and in, a, in the spirit. And then you combine those two aspects of the path. We can give birth to our higher self and bring the Christ into the world as flesh and blood. This is the this is the the relationship because a man and a woman can bring a baby into the world, right? They can bring a new soul into the world in flesh and blood. A man and a woman has that power. Every man and woman has that power and billions of men and women are doing it all the time. Right? New babies are being born all the time. This is this, this is not difficult. Anybody can do this. But the other thing, for a man and a woman to work together to bring forth 
a Christ into the world through themselves. This now, this is what Mary Magdalene and Jesus both did because Mary Magdalene was also a resurrected master, also became a Christified master. It's not, it's not jotted down. It's not, but you, you read about it in um, the um, uh, Mary Magdalene's uh, gospel. But everything's focused on Jesus in those gospels. But Mary Magdalene mm -hmm. went and she taught for many, many, many years. And there's mystery schools. There's even a mystery school based on, um, well, the whole, um, the whole um, what do you call it? Uh, um, da Vinci Code is based around well, that, right? The, about, about the yeah. mystery school that was started in France by Mary Magdalene. That's a theory. There's a, there's also has been like a mistranslation, sort of like that some of the text oh, interpreters. Yeah, 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 I read the I read and the it source came material. I read the source material about San Graal, uh, Holy Blood or the Holy Bloodline. I read the source material called the Hiram Key and uh, Holy Blood and Holy Grail. I read I read in other words I read the nonfiction books. That the Da Vinci Code was based on. Dan Brown, Dan Brown didn't come up with that theory. Dan Brown plagiarized that theory from some from other researchers from nonfiction books. But that's not where my knowledge of Mary Magdalene comes from. My knowledge of Mary Magdalene comes from Samael and Mayor and my own meditations. I see. So it just so happens that it's corroborated by that uh, that uh, that that guy, that researcher. Who did all that research? But Mary Magdalene, both Mary Magdalene was a was a tremendously powerful um, esotericist, just like her husband. Not not at the same level as Jesus, but very very powerful. That's why she was chosen to be his wife. Okay, listen, we're uh, almost four hours and ten minutes in. So any more any more questions or comments that uh, anybody wants to uh, wants to ask or Thank you for another. Uh, thank you for sticking it out this long. It's another <laughs> four hours. It's a long time. <laughs> we'll usually give it a minute because people have to have some time to uh, type any questions that they have. Uh, hmm. So again, the takeaway: very simple, right? Very simple. Uh, you're welcome, Jules. Thank you for uh, being with us, and thanks for sticking out to the end. Um, and oh, and by the way, we'll take this moment to apologize to uh, everyone that we had to make this last-minute shift, and to remind you that um, uh, we will be tomorrow. There's obviously there's no live stream tomorrow, but we will be back to our regular uh, time and day on Sundays. Uh, next week, barring any unforeseen incidents. Uh, we thought perhaps that if more people showed up today, we might consider moving it to Saturday in the future, but uh, our turnout was not so good today. So I think it's better if we keep it on Sunday. Um, Benjamin says, thank you so much, sir, for sharing valuable information as always. You're welcome, Benjamin. Thank you for being a part of our live stream and um, you're always most welcome. And we want to thank um, if um, want to thank everyone for 
for again uh, coming out and um, and uh, want to thank uh, Teresa for participating on the live stream and you're all more than welcome to do that in the future if you so uh, so inclined um, we hope that everybody has a good week and we hope that you found uh, today's live stream useful and um, valuable and that we hope that we've we hope that we've demystified magic a little bit and especially black magic and that really it's very very simple it's 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 actually it, it covers a very broad spectrum but it really comes down to something very very simple and it's re again relates back to the other live stream we did on service and who do you serve right do you serve your innermost intimate christ or do you serve your individual satan your shaitan your ego that's really what it comes down to and that and therein therein lies the key and the key is what do you believe and what do you know and that's what determines faith and the true nature of your magic and the magic and that's what you you bring into the world and how you bring it into the world but if you're relying on your belief you're putting your hands in an unreliable and an unreliable uh faculty but if you know and you're you're aware and you're conscious and you put your faith and trust in your innermost and your divine mother whom you know then you serve god and your magic will be right and you will have right thought and right word and right deed right action as the buddhists like to say serena any final thoughts well yeah i guess that's a very good final thought and i'm really glad that this um conversation happened this four-hour conversation today and it was very insightful and um very very helpful okay well, i'm glad for that <clears throat> um so everyone have a wonderful rest of the weekend and have a good week and hopefully we will see you back here next next sunday All right thank you so much Inverential Thank peace. Bye-bye.